Welcome to Savvy Sab's podcast on call-in. This is episode 79, State of the Union Recap. How do you feel about Biden's remarks during the State of the Union address? Let's go ahead and dive into it. No need to keep you guys waiting. Let's go ahead and bring in Miss Delthea. What's up, Delthea? Oh, oops. Hey. Hiding. Can you Sorry, hear Delthea. me? I forgot to turn on. You guys think I would have this down by now? Okay, there we go. Can you hear me now? I can hear you. Hey. Hello, how are you? I'm drinking bourbon straight out the bottle. I have a beer. <laughs> well, I started off with beer. And and things just got worse. And then I had to go out to the car and get more beer. <laughs> And then I said, you know what? Let me just go in here and just, I'll just go into the bourbon room. <laughs> and I poured the first drink in a glass. And then I was like, oh, forget the glass. Just give me the bottle. <laughs> oh so I'm sitting here looking like Ned DeWino. <laughs> grasping this bottle of bourbon for dear life. Mm-mm-mm. What the hell was that? Mm. I, I know you guys I know have he gonna to lie. say. I know he's going to lie. I knew he was going to lie when he started. I did not know that every God-blessed thing that came out of his mouth was going to be a goddamn lie. It was honestly hard for me to not interrupt the the State of the Union so much because... I was holding back a lot because I wanted it to play, but it was really hard for me not to interrupt because he was just saying so many like off the wall things. It was ridiculous. Oh my God. And and, and, and every time they jump up, yay, yay, yay. Let me clap some more. Yay. I was just sitting here sinking deeper and deeper and deeper into the chair. Like, oh my God, stop, stop, stop. You're not going to do any of these things you say you're going to do. And even the things that, and even the things that you say you're going to do won't make a bit of difference. No. Okay. Don't sit there and tell me about how great it is that we're going to work together with the Republicans. The Republicans are the devil. Why would you work with them? Unless, of course, you are a demon. Are you a demon, Joe? That would explain a lot. Especially, like, why you're starting to look like a sleek stack. Because that's what demons do. Those are his friends. Those are his friends, Delphia. Oh, my dear Lord. Don't, and please don't tell me again about how you, you know, I feel so sorry. I, I felt so bad when I looked at those parents. Mm-hmm. Was talking about how he, well, we're going to make it right, and we're, we're going to we're going to make some good come from this. How are you going to tell a mother that some good is going to come from the murder of her child? She don't want good; she wants her child. This is not difficult. None of this is difficult. You keep talking about we're gonna we're gonna do things made in America. How can you do things made in America when you made all of the manufacturing jobs go overseas? How you gonna do it, Joe? We're gonna do something about, about student debt and we're gonna make schools better. 
How you going to make schools better, Joe? How? How you going to do something about debt when you're the reason we cannot discharge debt through freaking bankruptcy? That's you, Joe. And don't tell me about the crime bill. And please don't bring up 1994. That's when you decided to lock up black people wholesale. Joe, you, you, ooh, oh, let me take my blood pressure pill. God, I just wanted the man to sit down and just be quiet. Don't lie to me, okay? And if you're going to lie, make it an interesting lie. Make it a good lie, okay? When I came home with dings in my parents' Buick, I told them that aliens beamed down from the planet Zaxxon, took small silver hammers and just walked up and down the sides of their car making little dings. My parents did not believe that, but at least they laughed. I did not laugh tonight. I did not laugh at all tonight. And quite frankly, I wish aliens had beamed down and hit me with little silver hammers. I, oh. The man, we are in so much trouble. This country is so, oh. What you do, is the fact that all of the standing ovations, first of all, every, like, statement doesn't deserve a standing ovation. But for Americans, like, sitting at home watching this tonight, that doesn't have the commentary that a lot of us on independent media have, they're actually thinking these are good things and they're believing what he's saying. I know. I know. I have a friend who tomorrow is going to tell me what a great speech it was and how what great things we're going to do. And I'm going to go over and I'm going to hug her and I'm going to look at her and say, no. Just no. And She's going to say, but it has to be this way. And I'm going to say no. And then I'm going to remind her that I am the Cassandra of Southeastern North Carolina. I am gifted with prophecy and cursed with incredulity. I will tell her what will happen. She will not believe me. And then when everything I say comes to pass, she will then come back to me and say, dang, how'd you know that? Do you think? But do you think Bree's parents realized they were being used as a prop? I think at this point, they just want to get the message out and to be seen to remind people of what happened to their son. Um, these were not people who were sitting there to clap. These were not people who were sitting there. to. They were willing to they were willing to sacrifice themselves if it will make it so that somebody else's child doesn't get killed. That's what I think. But how many parents parents have to be invited to the White House for a dinner? How many parents have to be invited to the State of the Union address? Like the same thing happened with George Floyd's family. Like how many times does this have to happen before something is actually done? Well, darling, if you think all the way back, you know, they killed us when we were slaves. They killed us under Jim Crow. They're killing us now. And quite frankly, they're not killing us 
doesn't make them near as uncomfortable as not killing us. And that's and that's what we have to change. We have to make it so it's more uncomfortable to kill us than to not kill us. And until that happens, they're gonna keep killing us. It's I literally had to like like bite my tongue. It was just so cringe. So cringe to me. And he still didn't really say what he was going to do about policing. Like it was just like well, they need to have more training. We need to have mental health experts. He was stating things that we already know need to happen. We know what needs to be done. The question is, you're the president of the United States. Mm-hmm. What are you going to do about it? Not a damn thing. Exactly. They couldn't even listen. For the people like praising this George Floyd policing act, I just want to remind everyone that bill involves giving more money to the police. That rule is not the answer. Why are we giving them more money when they're continuing to kill people? Why are we doing that? They're supposed to de-escalate. They're not supposed to escalate. When I saw these cops, and it's not just the Tyree Nichols incident, it's Mm -hmm. every other incident, every other month that we happen to see on the news. Those are just the cases that are reported about. Those aren't, that Mm -hmm. isn't all of them. And we have a president who, I'm sorry, but you're a part of the problem because you implemented those crime bills, which mm-hmm. basically gave a green light to policing, to the police state in this country. Mm-hmm. It gave them a green light to just go after black men. It gave them the green light to do it. Not saying they weren't doing it before, but that made it worse. You combine, you take Ronald Reagan's war on drugs and you combine mm-hmm. it with the crime bills, mm-hmm. right? You combine right. all those those things together, and it just it this is a catastrophe. This country is a disgrace. And so when people tell me I should be happy that I live in the United States, try living somewhere else. I have lived somewhere else. I have lived somewhere mm-hmm. else. And, and I'm yeah. sorry, but the things that are happening here, if you talk to people that live in other countries, they don't have police killings the way we do in the United States. No. If, if you talk to American expats that live in places like Singapore, they don't have mm-hmm. these issues. Their police in other countries did not come out of slave patrols and tenant controls and union busting. Everything about our police from its beginning has been about finding a way to suppress the populace. Not protect it. Not serve it. Not even if they claim to provide public safety. It's about protecting private property and keeping down the masses. And when that's where you come from, when that's the acorn from which your mighty oak grows, that oak can't be anything but that. And while, and I, and I like, and I have to point this out. While black people are killed disproportionately to our numbers by the police in raw figures, white folk get killed. And the poorer they are, the more likely they are to be killed by the police. It's not just us. Think about it. We, it's time that black people have been in this country. The overall population, we've made up between 10 and 14%. White people have made up 70%. Okay? If that's the case, 
who they really trying to control? Us or the 70% of white people? That's a good point. And you know, police protect wealth and they protect capital. And I mean, it's just, you mm-hmm. some of the statements I heard him make tonight, it just shows just how to, out of touch a lot of these people you know, the White House and in Congress, they're just very out of touch with the everyday average American person. Because for him to say things like, you're going to buy, we're going to buy electric vehicles. Most people can't afford to buy a new car, let alone electric vehicles. Some of them cost more than regular cars. So just the fact that you think that people can just go out and buy a car, that is absolutely ridiculous. A lot of people can't. Most people, especially like when I live in New York, most people in New York can't afford to buy a car. A lot of people in Boston can't afford to buy a car. In fact, most of them don't have them. So to tell people, oh, we'll just go out and buy electric cars, like, no, this is not the answer. Capitalism is failing. It has failed this nation. And until I hear like someone that's in a position of uh, political power admit that, because even Mm -hmm. Bernie Sanders has kind of caved to some of these things. I told you guys recently, we talked about the video from Second Thought, how he says social democracy in itself is not enough because it still operates in a capitalist system. Correct. And now you have a bill where even someone like Ro Khanna who was endorsed by Democratic Socialists of America, he voted along with the Republicans to denounce socialism in this country. Mm -hmm. So this is a problem. And like what kills me is that you have these news networks like Fox News that make it seem like Joe Biden is a socialist and he's moving further to the left. And the American people actually buy this BS. He's not moving further to the left. He has moved further to the right. The Democratic Party's moved further to the right. Why are you sitting here coming up with all these different options for Medicare and for prescription drugs? If you just Mm -hmm. give people Medicare for all, you won't have to worry about this. What do you mean? That, oh, yeah, we're going to cap insulin for seniors on Medicare. What about everybody else? Most people don't get to be seniors if they have, you know, if they have diabetes. Think about it. You know, I you, you walk in a cemetery, when you see a short grave in a cemetery, that comes from leukemia, that comes from you know, juvenile diabetes. That comes from a whole lot of things that we're not doing anything about because, you know, we're we're waiting to take care of you once you make 65. Well, a whole lot of people ain't going to make 65. What about them? What are we going to do about them? No, when it comes to when it comes to healthcare for children, you know what our healthcare system is for children? I will tell you what it is. It is a jar. A jar at the checkout at a convenience store with a picture on it that says, please help us get an operation for little so-and-so. So whatever you can give, please give. So we are letting we are letting children and young people and people who are not 65, we are depending on the change that strangers get back from a 10 to pay for their health care. My mama used to say when she would talk about bad people, she'd say, so-and-so going to hell if he don't stay no longer than to get his ass swinged. This country is going to hell if we don't stay no longer than to get our asses swinged. It's, It's very bad. It's very bad. Like, I was really... They were just clapping for everything that he said. And... Yeah. He is just like, 
he lied about the economy. And that's what I said this on Rising. I was like, I'm interested to see what he's going to say about the economy and what he's going to say about policing. He flat out lied about the yeah. economy. We're doing better and better. How can you say that when all these companies are laying off thousands of people, publicly laying off thousands of people? I just told mm-hmm. you $9 for a carton of eggs. Mm-hmm. For a carton of eggs, the grocery store prices have not decreased. What the hell is Joe Biden talking about? He's like, gas is down, prices are down. No, they're not. Oh, damn, damn, gas is going up. I got a gas station right at the right at the end right at the end of my street. Um, nice people work there. I go there. I'm watching every day. About every other day, that gas has been going up about a penny to two pennies every other day for the last month or so. Don't sit here and tell me gas is coming down when I'm watching it go I'm literally watching it go up every single day. It's bull. And he's sitting there and he's saying it like He's pissing in my face and he's telling me it's raining. Yeah. And he's doing that to the entire country and it ooh, it makes ooh, the whole I'm going to have to get off because I'm getting ready to start crying. Oh, Delthea. We I work with the elderly. Okay? These people they worked hard. They did what they were supposed to do. And I have I have one particular client who is, I'm going to have to let her go because her family has basically sold everything they had trying to keep her at home. Mm-hmm. But the only way she can get Medicaid is if she has nothing. That's how it works. So they're having to let shit just dwindle down to nothing. And then she'll go in a home. And it's not a good thing. And I, and they sit there and they, and they clap like they're at a goddamn college football game. And they're not. And when he said, you won't have, you, you, you know, you're going to have a good job and you won't have to move. I, the only reason I make more money now than I did a few years ago is because I moved. I had to move to find jobs that would support me so that I wouldn't be a burden to my child. I'm I'm going to go now because I can't take this. All right. Um, I'm going to talk to y'all later. Peace out. Thank you so much for calling in. I'm going to bring in um, Eric. So great to hear from you. What's your take on this? I'm going to hear from you, and then I'm going to pivot to Noel. All right. So I'm beyond pissed off with this shit. Um, like what? What the? F- what the? What? What the fuck was this shit? Um, just like it's already discussing you, Tyree Nichols' parents as uh, to- as tokens. And by the way, if you heard it, he looked like he messed up his name again. He called her Tyler or something like that. And like, dude, what the fuck? Just how, how hard is it to get a name right? Shit. Um, and then on top of that, the fact that again, he's pretending that everything is so good and so it's not, bro. 
How long are you going to keep lying to people before pe- people actually see reality? People are living and seeing this shit. Like, like you said, so what, $9 a, $9 a cart? Um, shit. I mean, got two last, eyes. Time, last time I checked, the eggs didn't get any bigger. <laughs> They're the same size eggs. <sighs> like you know, some people have told me they're like, well, don't buy eggs. You don't have to buy eggs. Do you guys know that some people rely on eggs for dietary needs? Yeah, for protein. Like, yeah. I mean, it's just what about people who are vegetarians? You know, I mean, it's just it's not and the thing is it's not just eggs, it's everything else. It's steak, it's bread. Why am I paying this much for a loaf of bread? It's everything else. Yeah, the only thing that seems to be relatively affordable is junk food. Yeah, it's just fuck. Like, especially when he makes the point about capitalism is is so good, and I'm like, bro, this is so bad. The system literally conflicts with human survival. Like, what are you doing? You can't say you love capitalism and then you and then you want to protect the environment at the same time, bro. Pick one. Shit. Could you imagine if Jose, someone put this in the chat. I forget who sent the super chat, but someone put, I wish Jose was there to call out Joe Biden. You guys know Jose is the one, um, him and his friends, they've been calling out politicians publicly at like these town halls, right? Could you imagine if Jose was there? Jose would be like, President Biden! You send billions of dollars to Ukraine and you can't support the American people. What's wrong with you? Could you imagine if Jose was there and just stood up? (sighs) I wish. (laughs) Some of us would just cuss his ass out. Like almost everyone in the room, in the exception of, of the people that they had there as props, almost everyone in that room is wealthy. Almost everyone. Listen, the congressmen and women are making 170 over $170,000 a year. Their first year, Eric. Here's the, and here's the thing, too. It's not, it's not even just Biden. It's, it's these house Negroes like Jim Clyburn and shit that piss me off even more. Like, you actually buck dance for this piece of shit. Fuck him. You know... And in, and having lived in South Carolina, I can tell you Jim Clyburn's district is one of the poorest districts in South Carolina. But Jim Clyburn is doing very well. He has a nice house. It's the people in his district who are suffering. But you think the people in the district will one day stop and look around and be like, wait a minute now. Why does he have a really nice house? And he's been our representative for years. And why are we all still struggling? But they Let don't. Me- let me introduce you all to this magical thing called the Black Bourgeoisie. <laughs> Go for it. Shit. So, this country, calling it a joke is not even enough justification. Like, I, I, I was telling people, early, I was talking to some people earlier about this, and I'm like, bro, let me guess, he's not going to bring up anything important like, I don't know, obviously inflation, what? He's not going to talk about MMT. He's not going to talk about the petrodollar. He's not going to talk about anything real. This is going to be him stroking himself off. And of course, he did all that shit. And then to act like, again, to act like we don't see it. 
And especially, you know, I'm in Florida dealing with this mess. Like, fuck. Even when he brought up the part about teachers, which I wanted to talk to you about because I know you're in education. Yeah. Um, Having been in education myself, like, how many times, Eric, how many years have we heard teachers need to be paid more? Too many goddamn years. Right. And nothing changes. So every time I see, like, these State of the Union addresses, teachers need to be paid more. Or congressmen say, teachers need to be paid more. I've heard this my whole life. Or, or, or you do like Ron DeSantis and quote unquote pay us more, but when you really break down what the increase actually is, it still doesn't keep up with cost of living or anything real. There you go. No, it doesn't. It, it's, it's just, it's, it's, and then on top of that, you do the whole culture war shit. You make us into political pawns. You tell, you have parents like hating us. And on top of the fact, um, now you've made it a problem where certain, even curriculum, some curriculum-based textbooks, some teachers have to hide because they don't want to risk felony charges. Like this country is nothing without teachers. You don't have lawyers without teachers. You don't have doctors without teachers. And yet, teachers, I feel like teaching is one of the most underrated professions in this country. Yeah, like if you, like one of these days, one of these I wish, I wish, I need to go look again because I haven't looked in, in a minute. But as I understand, there are still teacher positions open for math, still in the state. Yeah. And I'm like, you can't be surprised by this shit because all of us that have math degrees are not teaching. I'm only, te- I'm only teachers I see the need, but. Bro, most of us are actually doing real shit. Hell, you make more money getting a job in STEM if you have a math background, to be honest with you, than you do being a math teacher. Yeah. And most of the math teachers have have math degrees and not actual teaching backgrounds. Mm-hmm. So you see, Ron's going to fuck that up, too. He keeps up. Because especially if, if us, if we say, you know what, fuck this, you teach your kid to shit yourself. And no, a lot of these parents weren't good at math in school either, so. No, it's just, I mean, I felt like he stated the obvious. We know teachers should be paid more. We already know this. What are you going to do about it? We know police need to be held accountable. What are oh. you going to do about it? Oh, speaking of that. Like, these police budgets are so much fun, right? <laughs> how, do, how do police get more love than actual educators? And, and that person tells me where your priorities lie. I mean, you already have, like, the shit, like the 1033 program. What the hell else do you fucking need? You already look like many militaries and shit. What is it? Is it New York that has a billion, that has billions of dollars in police budgets? In, in their police budget? NYPD is one of the Jesus fuck. Like you have a police budget bigger than some countries' militaries. Yeah. NYPD and LAPD are the worst ones in reference to funding. Meanwhile, we asking like educators, hey, um, pay us and not only pay us, but actually get more teachers. Do what you should have done during during something like the pandemic and reduce these class sizes. 
Because again, 20, 30 class, 20, 30 person classes, it's not really feasible at all. No. But you have to, but always, there's always this dumbass excuse of, well, you have to improve your classroom management. Um, motherfucker, there's all 20 or 30 of them. But only so much classroom management is going to fucking do. That's something that's been becoming more and more common too. They're increasing like classroom sizes to save money. But then it, it's saving money. They undermine the entire point. It's like, I can't, I can only do so much. And you know, math, and you know the way we teach math is fucked up anyway. So... What bothers me is that, you know, Joe Biden's wife, Dr. Jill Biden, she's yeah. an educator. She was an educator, Eric. Oh, yeah, I forget about that. Yeah, she was a teacher. So it's like, she knows. She knows these issues. And you would think having her in there, you would think that would help something in reference to education. Still nothing. Of course not. She's probably been out too long. I mean, the glasses has changed too much, but I, it's it's so aggravating, like, seeing the classroom itself not change at all. I'm like, dude, I graduated in 2010 out of high school. It's 2023, and these classrooms still look the same. Yep. Like, what the fuck? And you still, man. No, it's true. Getting previous classroom management with over 30, with 20, 30 kids. Bruh. I went back to my high school. Uh, I forget. It was a couple of years after I was after out of undergrad. And I went back to my high school and nothing changed, Eric. That's so same embarrassing. Thing. Yeah, same thing. I was like, you guys still got all these kids in the classroom? Like, it it was more kids in the classroom. Actually, I take that back. It was more kids in the classroom than it was when I was there. And at that point, when I was there, they were trying to decrease classroom sizes. And apparently that didn't happen when I went back to visit because the classroom sizes were larger. And there are teachers in this country. I want to make this very clear to people who are not aware. There are teachers in this country making like $32,000 a year. A lot of these teachers have student loan debt. You have to have a bachelor's degree, at least at minimum, to get a teaching job. And here in Massachusetts, you need to have a master's degree to teach in Boston, plus other certifications. So you see, they want you to get all these additional certifications. They want you to have the advanced education degrees. But then that means you're going to have, especially if you're coming from like, I came from middle class family, I had to take student loans. So especially if you, you're coming from that and you have to take out student loans, now you have student loan debt, but they don't want to pay you anything, Eric. Yeah, I'm I'm in that thirty I'm in that thirty seven thousand uh, dollars box too. Exactly. So and you know it's what you're just talking about. yeah, it's so it's like, bro, do you and, and on top of that, and on top of that, you got some of these parents quick as fuck to complain about some shit. Now, there's also another reason why people are leaving too, because you gotta be fucking kidding me. You mean to tell me that you won't even talk to me as the fucking teacher, but you'll complain to my principal without even saying a word to me. Now, now, now I know some people be like, well, they don't necessarily have to talk to you. 
Well, motherfucker, I'm the one teaching your kid. So at least have enough respect for me as one adult to another. And in, this, and in, that, in that relationship is basically one professional to another. At least have that respect. Then if you don't like what I say, go above me. And nothing but, has been done, at least on the federal level, to improve public schools in this country. Because they still have it to where, like, property taxes fund public school districts. So it's like, yeah. again, I mean, it, this is absolutely ridiculous. So for him to stand up there and say, teachers need to be paid more, we know that. What are you going to do about it? Hearings every year. This is exactly why good educators leave. This is exactly why teachers are leaving. Teachers are leaving the education profession. Yeah. Like I, I left higher ed because I, because the same issue. The oh, like, people are overworked. They want you to have all these extra degrees and certifications that you have to pay for out of your pocket that they're not paying for just to get by. Oh yeah, savvy. Coop and chat just made a really good point. Um, IEPs. Shit. Adding this into the mix of twenty, thirty plus people. Yes. And then, and then we can be sued if we don't follow this shit. And I'm like, bro, like, I'm emailing some of these people in the office. Like, how the fuck am I supposed to know what all their IEPs are if I don't have a uh, at least a master list of what the fuck they are? Well, here, for people who aren't aware, IEPs, um, that stands for Individual Education Plan. Yeah. Basically, it is a cheap way for a school to get a teacher to teach kids that normally would probably be in special education without having to hire a special education teacher. That's another way that they get around it. And so, at least here in Massachusetts, they want you to have additional certifications. And one of them is you need to be certified in English language learner. So you need to be certified for ELL. You need to have a certification for special education. Like, again, like this was not your specialty. Like, say your specialty was K through 12 or say your specialty was English for high school learners. You have to get additional certifications because the education system is too cheap to hire those teachers. Like when I was in school, we had special education teachers. They're trying to get away from that now. That's why they, they cut that. It's a way for them to save money and to have the teachers who don't really have that training, but can pass a test to get the certification. It's, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Same and, thing with higher ed. Like for those of us that were academic advisors, like it got to the point where they had us doing someone else's job. Like if, if I'm an academic advisor, why am I doing finance? Why am I also doing budgeting? Just yeah. so they don't have to hire someone to do finance. It's ridiculous. And yeah, um, we'll bring up Coop again in chat. Um, shit. He's right. Like there are no spent there are no spent math teachers that I even know. No. Because I don't spend English teachers in the world, but you can't find a spent math teacher. And I don't blame and Coop, I don't blame you. I don't blame you if this is your last year to teach. But I don't blame you. Cause holy shit, these motherfuckers asking too much. 
so many people are leaving. Like I left education. I know Colin. Colin was on with me tonight. Colin, same thing. He's ready to leave. I'm ready. I'm ready to leave. leave. I'm ready to leave because it, 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 especially with my new students now, it's like, well, basically I got shit because a lot of them, a lot of their algebra one skills were terrible. Now this is algebra two. So I'm getting shit for going over, for going, for basically redoing algebra one. I'm like, yo, I can't move on to algebra two without them knowing a lot of stuff from algebra one. So what the fuck do you expect me to do? I want to bring in Noel. Noel, I want to get your take on this, the State of the Union address. I know we've been talking about education. Eric's a teacher, but I, I want to get your take on this as well about what you heard tonight. Um, good evening, everybody. Um, you know, to be honest, Sabrina, um, I was just numb. I mean, when I think about the overarching theme, I see it as a verse from the song Send in the Clowns, where it says, um, me here at last on the ground, you in midair. Isn't it rich? And, you know, I, I see it and I realize that a part of the reason why these State of the Union addresses come off as so utterly superficial and just such a shit show it's because it occurs to me that they are designed knowing that the masses of people that they are playing to are misinformed and underinformed. And all of this jumping up and down and clapping is like a sink of fat circus. And it signals to the people who are represented or being honestly misrepresented by these elected officials that everything is well. It's a mixture of half truths and half lies, all spun in a way to make the basic American people feel like we're headed in the right direction when we realize that we're not. The most honest thing that Joe Biden said in that entire speech when, was the sequence where he said, I know you feel invisible. And if you recall, that was the same resonance to what Donald Trump said on the campaign trail, the forgotten man. These people know the reality that's out there. They, The people who prepare these speeches know that there are millions of Americans who are laboring on the new 21st century virtual plantation and that they are suffering. And they will say things like, oh, you're the forgotten man or Joe Biden. I know you feel invisible to tap into the fact that we know how you exist. And it makes the regular people feel seen and heard. Then they go on to spin the rest of their web of lies about the reality. And it reminds me, like I say, me here at last on the ground and you in midair. This reminds me of monarchy and everything else where you have the one thing that everybody in their chamber had in common for the most part is that they are of the elite class. And so they spin narratives to a disengaged and disenchanted working set of masses. And we're talking about 
the subset of the masses that even tune into this thing. We know that there are people that are so busy trying to survive that tuning into a state of the union is the last thing on their agenda. And some of them have no electronics to tune in to listen to this web of lies. And I just think we're in an incredibly bad place. And they spin these narratives the way they do because they know that there is no media, no fourth estate that is going to hold them accountable. This is again a segment of the manufacturing of consent of the governed to keep being slaves on this virtual plantation. And the one thing we do know is if you do not center the real problems that are motivating the circumstances that appear to be problems, you will never get to a real solution. If you cannot talk about poverty and call it by its name, mm -hmm. you will just run around talking about the ills that poverty births, but you will never deal with the mother problem, which is poverty. If you cannot call racism and white supremacy by its name, you will fool around with the children and the derivatives of white supremacy, but you will never solve the problems. So when we talk about policing and you bring these people up here as mascots, so your son has just been killed and the pageantry around it, you know, the everyday people, oh, they run because they're going to be seated at the White House or they're going to be seated in the congressional rotunda for the State of the Union. And they have no idea that they're just being made a puppet, being made a signal again to suggest to the working poor that when these tragedies unfold in your life, we do see you. Yeah, you see me, but the history, the short and long history proves that you really don't give a damn. We have not fixed policing and we have not fixed police. And there is no intention to. Because when you talk about policing, the first thing you want to run to is, ooh, we know that 99% of all police are good people and we just need to get them some more funding so that we can get in better training and this and that. And we know that they're overworked. And but you're not talking about the problem. You're not talking about the root cause of these things. So you get all this clapping from this side of the arena and that side and blah, blah, blah. But it's all a shit show. And this is the elite playing to the masses across a, a bipartisan type of melodrama to keep the polarities amongst the, the masses. They preserve that by playing this Democrat Republican theater thing. But at no point do they cross the line to really deal with the problems that make the elite and continue to perpetuate the elite based on the backs of the poor. And so nothing changes. So to me, I was just numb because I'm like, okay, what version of theater will this be? The most thing I was amazed at was that he could stumble his way through it. But it's just like, you know, and I just say, we're never going to come away from this because the masses, although all power resides with the people, 
we're too busy being spoon fed and led by the nose and this and that. And the people just really don't realize how hoodwinked and bamboozled we really are. And so it's just the same thing. The same is warmed over, but nothing is going. The reality for the people at the very bottom, which has been the descendants of slaves, those people at the bottom and our counterparts an inch above us and those who are clinging to their race as an identity, the material conditions for that segment of America, which has expanded over the years, has not changed substantially in decades. And there, it's not like they don't know. They do know. They just have no plans or no intentions to deal with it because to deal with that, you have to call capitalism by its name for the root cause of the problems that it perpetuates and you have to deal with it. You see, he said, oh, I'm a capitalist. You know, capitalism is a good thing. They're just never going to do it. No. And the other thing is, too, and Eric, um, I want to bring you in for this as well. Notice how he nodded to the Republicans who were booing at first. He nodded to the Republican congressmen and women, and he said, don't worry, Big Pharma's going to be okay. Exactly. What the fuck? Like He said the quiet part out loud. Yeah, he, he, it's, it's, he's, he's, asking, he's asking for people just to lose their shit. Like, Bro, like that—that that was the—that was the loudest "fuck you" to every to anybody, anybody with any working class in them whatsoever. But let's oh. be clear: this is the same Joe Biden who said on the campaign trail to the wealthy people, "Life for you will not change dramatically under my administration." He's already shown us who he is, where his loyalties lie. And that's just that. And so, again, you're not going to deal with those things. You're going to spin a different type of fairy dust in my face and fool's gold and blow it in my face. But you you have made it clear to the people who fund your campaigns that nothing substantial is going to change for them. And that's what the reality has been. Yeah, I told you, I agree. Um. Eric, I want to see if you had anything else to say. If not, I think I'm going to hop around. I see some new faces, and I want to pull in someone um, from the queue. Um, one one quick thing, and, and, I'll, and I'll shut up. Um, look, just just um, just make sure if you if you see any of us as teachers, you know, just just give us some type of like moral support or something, because holy shit. Um, cause, cause for real, you're, you're about to lose even more teachers and this shortage is going to get worse. So just letting you know now, so that you're not surprised and yeah, just make sure not only you're supporting teachers, um, uh, look out for each other, all that, all that good stuff. So that's all I got to say. Well said, Eric. I'm actually going to bring in, I'm going to hop around for just a second, guys. Don't freak. Um, but I have never seen, I think I saw this person try to call in one time, but they may have been booted. I'm going to bring in a nullified. You are next. 
What's up? Can you hear me? A little bit. You're kind of low. Yeah, your volume is kind of low. Are you using a phone or a, a computer? Yeah, I can barely hear you. Okay, I don't know what happened. Maybe he tried to do something. Um, let's go to Ashura. You are next. What's up? I thought I'd never be next. Ashura. <laughs> oh. Oh, this this state of a union thing. They should basically just cap it. It's like the the fucking awards you get at the what, the Grammys, the the, the the Emmys, whatever the fuck you call it. Just get rid of it. You don't need it for politicians. He was just basically stroking himself the entire time, and he was lying over and over and over and over. I'm like, who buys this shit? You you could just listen to him and just Google every fucking thing he says. You could have like fifty people in the room and just Google every fucking thing he said. Turns out they they were all lies. Then he made up some dumb shit about some uh, chips, chips and whatever, what, what, chips and science law. Yeah. I'm like, bro, that, his chip is not working. That shit needs changing because he was yeah. rambling. And, and I thought like the, the, the sign language lady did a better job than Joe Biden. Joe Biden was just talking shit. Well, at least <laughs> she wasn't doing anything. <laughs> I mean... I know. I saw your comment where you said, uh, can we replace, put Joe Biden over there and put her in the center? <laughs> yeah, because I was more interested go. in her moving her hands and Joe Biden just speaking. And you got all these other Democrats. I'm pretty sure even AOC got up. I, I don't know if they showed her, but everyone fucking stood up on the Democratic side as if he fucking did something. And then you had him trying to get to the podium. It was like, yo, he's walking so fucking slow, man. I'm like, I wish the the hair was there to get to the podium before him, because <laughs> this is the one time I wish the hair had run. I had won the race because this tortoise was this tortoise was slow as fuck. I was like, get to the fucking podium, man! Like it's fucking ten minutes. What it took him a doing? long time to get there, and I thought that was kind of drawn out. Um, I also feel like this State of the Union address was longer than the one last year. But I, I could be wrong. I'll go back and look at it because last year we did the State of the Union address on RBN. Um, and they did that tonight, too. But I'm going to go back and look at the one from last year to see if it was just as long because I'm curious. Uh, well, th I think it was this one was long because he was just rambling. I was like, uh, like, there's a point he mentions Kamala. Kamala has done so much. I'm like, like what? Like, she barely, she duck it. She, Kamala doesn't do anything. Even the most basic job, she's got the border shit. We haven't heard about that at all. No. And there's still kids in cages at the border, by the way. <laughs> yeah, and then I, I kind of looked at the family of the guy, uh, Trey Nichols, and I'm like, oh, is it Trey Nichols? Is that what his name was? Trey Nichols? Um, Tyree. Yeah, okay, Ty Tyree. So I'm like, I'm looking at him, and mom's clapping, but dad... He seems like he understands what's going on. He gave you that I don't give a fuck stance. You know when dads basically look at it, moms are trying to be like supportive. The dad's like, nah, man, he's got an I don't give a fuck face. <laughs> he understands that Joe Biden's fucking using him.
Well, the whole thing of something good can come from this. We heard that with George Floyd, right? Like his family was told the same thing. I remember hearing that. I was a kid when this happened, but I remember hearing that with Rodney King. But did they do that for for forever? Like <laughs> Democrats are pro cop, Republicans are pro cop. You're gonna expect them to basically do something when they bring your family to the state of the state of the union. They're prop. They're you're a prop. That's- yeah, because police protect them. By the way, police protect those politicians. Again. They're among the wealthy. Like I said, like a first year congressperson makes over $170,000 a year your first year and you haven't done anything yet. Isn't it more? Last time I looked it up about a couple weeks ago, it said over a hundred. It was a little over $170,000 a year. The first no, year. I know, I know it was $170,000, but that, that's the normal take. But didn't they increase their fucking uh, 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 salaries during the uh, during the COVID thing? They when did they get said, a raise. They got a yeah. raise when a lot of us didn't. Yeah, they got themselves a raise. So if they got themselves a raise, they should be more, making more than $175,000. Yeah, I didn't. Yeah, that's the other thing. Like, I didn't get a raise during the height of the pandemic. They told us they weren't giving out raises. Yeah, it's, it's like these, these, else went up. Yeah, because these, these, the, these fucking more, these cocksuckers can just basically increase their, their salaries at a whim. They decide when to increase their salaries. But you don't get one. Mm-hmm. And uh, by the way, since Roger is in the, well, Roger's with you. Hey, Roger, you kind of got bullied by Jamal Bowman there. I saw the video. And he bullied you when you say, "Hey, man, where you coming? Why you coming for me, man? Where you coming for me?" And I would have basically pushed back with the same energy. I would, I would, I would, I would not let him like try to push me like that. So, what do you got to say, Roger? I think Roger was being respectful, but yeah, Jamal Bowman was like, he gave me Godfather vibes, right? Like he gave me Godfather I'm energy. I'm going to give you a like, ticket, fly you to New York, have you speak to <laughs> Bowman, and you could show me how it's done. <laughs> yeah. there's, a, there's, a, there's a boy I see Roger back away when Bowman just Hello? went up to him. Like, Bro, no, not- he, he definitely, he gave me Godfather vibes. Like he... At any moment, I thought he was going to say, you come to me, hello? Hello? come to hello? my hello? house. Hello? You come to my house. Now, once you call hello? me, hello? 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 I thought he was going to say that. We can hear you just fine, Roger. Um, if you're saying anything, I cannot hear you. I'm, th- I'm going to uh, mute Roger because um, he's driving. But that's he gave me Godfather vibes when he told Roger. He said, don't approach me with this energy, man. Yeah, I'm like, what the fuck? Don't back I, me into this corner, man. I was gonna say, yo, yo, I fucking pay your fucking salary, man. I'm gonna back you into this corner. I was gonna put fire on this guy. <laughs> Ro- I'm like, Roger should have just nah nah Roger, man. Go go on him. Go on him. What the fuck is he afraid of? Mm-hmm. Like go on and you just just go on his face. Like, and the fuck he says, like, he goes like oh, that's my background, man. Uh, 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 education's my background, but you haven't done shit. You got Eric that was talking a while ago about uh how his class, his class is full. Like he basically, these kids are not learning as fast enough. I'm like, what is he doing? He's not doing shit, and he's lining his pockets with basically sending money to Ukraine and doing every fucking thing Elliot Eagle was doing. Yes, I didn't know the volume was down. So, look, dude kept interrupting me. All right, I listened to what he had to say. Okay, I wasn't buying any of it. All right? 
So I'm sorry to uh, disappoint you. I'm not saying you disappoint me, Roger. I'm just saying like there's a point where he pushes you back and you put your hands up. Like I'm like like I say, no man. I'm not trying to I'm not trying to harm you here. But he was being aggressive. You should have just you know put him back, put the energy back at him. All right, all right. So you can come to New York and you can show me how to do it then. <laughs> okay. Since since you got since you got the master plan on how to do it. Oh, I, I'll send you the master plan. I, I can't. I'm not going. I'm not heading for the United States yet. I think the thing is, Ashura, is that if Roger would have done that, then Jamal Bowman would have would have gotten off the hook. I think that's the thing. Like he easily could have just said, "You're being hostile. I'm going to walk away from you." So I think what Roger was trying to do was trying to get an answer from him and to hear yeah. him say, "Like, listen, yeah. especially about yeah. the." Yeah, about the ACO. And I think that's important. Like, so Roger asked him, for those who are not aware, what Roger did ask Jamal Bowman was, do you realize basically that Joe Biden is trying to privatize Medicare? That's basically what Roger was asking him. And so Jamal Bowman got defensive and Lucy was the one filming and he was like, man, don't come at me with this energy, man. You coming at me with this energy. This is how you do it. You come up to me and say, hello, uh, Congressman Bowman. Nice to meet you. I just want to run this by you. Have you heard about this thing? But I called BS on that because I've seen people approach him in a nice manner too. And if it's a subject that he doesn't want to talk about, he does the same thing. Because when I saw him say that, I was like, wait, so now, so now there's a script to approach you? Yeah, he got really entitled. Like, really, like, you know, it's like Glenn Greenwald told me this when he was on recently, and Glenn Greenwald said they've gotten really cocky now. They've gotten really uh, cocky. A lot of, like, the squad members, like, how dare you approach me? How dare you ask me questions? How dare you? I told you guys, Corey Bush told us at the March for Medicare for All, not the one from last year, but the year before, when they were in multiple cities across the country, Corey Bush told volunteers at the DC, the DC location that she and some of the other squad members did not appreciate that we were having those marches. Wow. That's how cocky they are now. The thing. It's always whose playing field you're on when that was a fundraiser. And so when you step into that, those type of fundraisers, the majority of the people in there are in support of these people because they're in that orbit. There was already a person who had been escorted out of the forum because they were questioning. So they put you in the position where you have to be assertive. And then if they don't like the way you speak to them, they can push out their chest because let it be known there's security all around. They're in an arena full of their supporters. It's a different dynamic if they come to a public rally and then it's on your turf and you get to speak. But in those fundraisers and things, those people are sitting on edge because they don't want to see their good congressperson taken to task. And you and we all in here know that a portion of the reason um, Bowman had so much bass in his voice is because Roger is a black man. That's why it was, oh, don't come at me with that energy. 
Roger didn't really even have any energy to mention. He was just asking the question. And it is a serious issue about the attempt to privatize, you know, Medicare. But um, Jamal Bowman just didn't want to entertain that type of question at all. So he goes through this perfunctory thing about this is the way and that's very condescending. Oh, this is the way you talk to a congressperson. You say A, B, and C, and blah, 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 blah. And then you still get ignored and you never get to address, they never address the real issues. But it, it's, you know, and it takes tremendous courage to speak up to those people in those forums. So, you know, and when they come at you like that, it's a whole different thing because, you know, if you respond with some real energy, oh, the, here come the security and everybody to escort you out and put you out and blah, 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 blah. So, you know, I understood it and I thought Jamal Bowman was really in poor taste. But what does it mean? It means nothing in this world. Yeah, it it, it was basically a shit show. But I, I'm pretty sure most people that were in there, I think they were their staffers because one woman was like, um, what are you going to do if uh, basically nuclear war basically starts? And one of them said, we're going to be okay. Goodbye. I'm like, oh, my God, what a bunch of fucking sycophants. Exactly. Another version of the sycophant circus. <laughs> and and it was a safe space for them. Because think about it. It was more. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, I was just going to say it. But it's not even just the fundraiser events. It's been even like the town halls that are open to the public too. like they don't want to answer like tough questions. God forbid you ask them anything about Russia, Ukraine and about the funding. They'll have you escorted out. See, this is why Lucy, it was very smart of Lucy to ask that question to AOC in Spanish. And that's Lucy did that on purpose because she knew that AOC doesn't know Spanish well. Really? So, yeah, like, because I brought Lucy on to talk about this, and Lucy explained it to me. Remember, for those who don't know, Lucy is in AOC's district. She canvassed for AOC in 2018. So Lucy had explained that she knew that AOC doesn't speak Spanish well. Okay. So, so she knew she could get more of her words out if she spoke in Spanish rather than if she spoke in English. That's it, why she spoke in Spanish. Is it that she can't, she can speak Spanish, but it's because the cadence is too fast? No, it, not everyone. So like, for example, there was a friend of mine when I was in high school, she was Puerto Rican, yeah, but she didn't know Spanish. Okay. Like she, she knew, she knew little things like she knew like what family members meant like she knew like how to say sister or brother or father like that kind of stuff but she her parents did not teach her spanish because they wanted her to be more americanized so i found this out when i was in high school when i was taking spanish and she was in my spanish class and i was like why are you taking spanish and that's when she explained to me that like her parents did not teach her spanish so not everyone who is you know latino or latina per se has actually been taught Spanish at home. Damn, I I, I thought she spoke Spanish because the way she was saying those. Uh... She doesn't know it well enough to keep up with a conversation. The way... Exactly. That's why Lucy was able to say as much as she did. 
So, yeah, I can tell you, we used to we used to uh, bug out at that in high school, where we we when we was just like, yo, how come all these Puerto Ricans are feeling Spanish? <laughs> I mean, it was a common thing. We used to just we used to just dig on them about. Like, how in the world are you feeling Spanish? A lot of them be like, well, how come you got? I, how come a lot of you are failing grammar? So okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyways, Roger, uh, I'm gonna hang up. But uh, I wasn't being mean, bro. Like you should have basically pushed back on him when he was trying to pull, pull that shit on you. Just open a can of spinach and go Popeye on him. So, so next time, what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna send you a plane ticket. No, I'm sending you the plane. No, 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 no. Come to JFK. Come to LaGuardia. I'll pick you up in my Uber, and I will drive you to the next town hall, and you can show me how it's done. Because I, I love when people armchair quarterback. I love it. Show me how it's done. Okay. All right. I'm gonna go ahead and and move on. Thanks so much for calling in, Ashura. Let's go ahead and bring in. Eric B. This is a different Eric. What's up, Eric B? Where is Rob? Hey, Savvy. How you doing? Can you hear me? I can hear you. How are you? Good. good. How you doing? Thanks for taking my call. I was. I managed to get in early today. Like, not like these other past days where I've gone at the very end. So, <laughs> I feel lucky to get in here and and fortunate to be in all you guys' company. Uh, you know, the, 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 the thing that I see here uh, that's a big problem is the reason why Democrats are such a evil force in what they do to society in the U.S. for the past 50, 60 years is that uh, there's not going to be a lot of people calling them out, meaning what all of Biden's lies. In the media, in his own party, there's not going to be anyone really forcefully calling him out on all the bullshit that he, he, he laid out today. You know, whether it's the jobs that he, that he supposedly they've created, you know, we lost more than 10 million jobs during the pandemic, including the two years that, that he's been here. Uh, the fact that he's talking about a living wage where he had a majority in the Senate and the House for his first two years, he could have did and pushed for that. We could have been pushing that forward all along, but he didn't do it. And now we have a Republican majority in one of the houses. So he's not going to be able to do any of those things. If anything, what's going to happen is that the Republicans are going to be able to call a lot of things out and they're going to be able to get to the people who are very disfranchised and dissatisfied with, the, with how things are going on the Democratic side. You're going to see people that are going to start leaning towards the Republican Party because they're going to be able to call the Republicans are going to be the ones calling out all the BS. And that's going to be bad because, as many of you have shared, the, the Republicans don't care about people. Uh, and we know that. But uh, unfortunately, the majority of people, as you saw the parents that they're being used as uh, props, people are only going to see this on the surface, the general public, especially now that we're gearing towards 2024. And you put these African-American black folks here on, on TV Older black voters are going to remember that and they're going to think, oh, look, Joe Biden's good because no one's going to be calling him out. So like me, uh, I think Noel was saying, you know, the people that put these things together, they work in marketing. They know how things work demographically. They know how to market and say keywords that hit, hit your subconscious mind so that you, you uh, start to 
think of good thoughts behind Joe Biden. When in reality, all of these things that he said were majority, I would say 99.5% lies. It's just the way that he spun them. And there's not going to be a strong media calling them out, except for, you know, pen and media. Well, right? Fox News, and so, Fox News will call them out. Yeah, but that's that's going to be geared towards more of the people that already hate them or people that are leaning to want to get out of this Democratic side of things, right? But on our side, meaning on the Democrat side, I'm not, I'm not a Democrat, but what I'm saying is no one's going to be calling them out. I mean, there's literally no one right now as, we, as it stands that's calling him out on anything. And that's bad for us. And that's why it's so hurtful uh, that the Democrats could do more damage in these, in these years when he's in there because no one's going to be calling him out. The mainstream media is not going to call him out. Uh, the Democrats are not going to call him out. Those people that we thought that were going to be uh, for people like, uh, like Bernie, he's not going to call them out. So it's just it's terrible. And that's the failure of having progressives in the Democratic Party because they're supposed to be the ones to call them out and they're not willing to do it because they want to keep their position in Congress. And I think this is just it's really unfortunate. Look, the writing is on the wall. These people, they like the amenities that come along with these positions. They like the benefits that they get. Like I didn't even know until tonight, like when Kit came on. And I'm, I'm familiar with Farron. I need to bring her on. Uh, I didn't even know, you know, the AOC drives a, a Tesla that they have people bring up like their, their, their items and their clothing and stuff to like their apartments and stuff like that. Like they're basically living like low key celebrities and we don't know about, I don't know about it because I don't live in DC. I don't see any of these people. And even some of the representatives that I have here in Massachusetts, I rarely see them. I saw Ed Markey one time and that was at an event on Thanksgiving day when my husband and I, we volunteered to give food to the homeless and Ed Markey showed up to the event that was the one and only time I've ever seen people ask me like don't you ever see Elizabeth Warren hell no I don't see Elizabeth Warren I I rarely see these people like it it just it's crazy like they're 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 not as involved they they would be back in their communities this is one of the criticisms that AOC had about Joe Crowley like he's not around he's not around in the community well, I hate to say it, but the longer you're in Congress, that becomes the norm for most of them. They're not around in their communities. They become bought in the system and they become a part of that D.C. bubble. And, and um, you know, I, I'm reading through the, through the his speech, speech that, he that, he put together. Together, that he put together today. I mean, there's key things here. It's all for marking. I mean, he mentions that uh, these jobs that were created in Ohio that are going to be creating like 10,000 jobs and, and these jobs are going to be paying over uh, six figures without a college degree requirement. Those key words right there, that creates hope in the minds of people that are listening to this. And it's a way to market to people and to, uh, in a sense, give them hope, false hope that, Hey, it looks like creating jobs. The Democrats are creating these jobs or helping to create them. And I don't have to have a college degree to get that job. But the amount of jobs, if they even come to become a reality, it's tiny relative to the population that we have. And it's only in one area. So it's just a form of marketing 
but it's very effective, savvy. That's the thing. Uh, marketing, I think I've told you this in the past, uh, you know, because I worked in marketing early on when I first came out of school. Repetitive, consecutive, uh, consistent marketing, it hits the target. If you continually do it, it, it starts to appear through people's minds uh, and it works. And that's what Democrats and both, you know, the Republicans do it too. But without having an opposing critical assessment of, you know, the lies, people will just believe it and, 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 and gobble all that stuff up. Uh, and in fact, you know, I mean, that's also why we come to independent media, because we know that, that all this is uh, BS. Uh, also, I wanted to say to Roger, I didn't know that it was Roger uh, that, that was uh, talking to Bowman. Uh, I got to go back and look at those videos. But, you know, I just got to I think. Uh, Roger, if that was you, I think you did the right thing. You can't, you can't come across too too tough on on the on these situations because, like Savvy was saying, then you come off as the jerk, and then the the, the he can just walk yep. away. You almost have to do it very tactfully because if not, if you don't do it tactfully, people focus on on your emotions rather than your message, and it's better to come off just the right way, and and get get your message across, even though not everybody's going to get it. But we're going to get it and we're going to continue to speak on it. So I think you did the right thing by doing it that way. So, you know, salute to you for doing that, having the balls to do it. You know, I'm not a big guy. So and, and Jamal looks like a big dude. <laughs> so well, I wasn't trying to make the, um, the like I said, I keep telling everyone the focus. This is not about me. OK, I'm trying to put the focus on ACO reach. That's what the focus was. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like I always said, paying attention to personalities and hey, why don't why don't you know like what's going on between YouTube hosts and fights and all different types? That's not important. What's important is the issue at hand and the mission. You see what I'm saying? Because yeah. as long as we keep mission focused, it does not matter if one of us goes down, the other one, the other one just pops right up and, and just keeps going. Hydra, cut one head off, another one pops up. It's not, uh, you, it cannot be focused on yeah. this personality or what this person did or whatever the case is. We're talking ACO reach. That's worse than Medicare Advantage. He didn't even know. I had to educate him about what ACO reach was because he's thinking I'm talking about Medicare Advantage. I'm like, no. You know what I'm saying? So more of us needs to needs to talk about how he's getting ready to hand Medicare over to Wall Street. You know, yeah. that's that's just straight up, you know, like dangerous. Or, or like all the people, all the Medicare recipients who were, you know, like I didn't really feel that because they had Medicare already during the fight of Medicare for all, there was a lot of, oh, I don't know, you know, like I didn't really, because they already had it, you feel what I'm saying? Yeah. So what I'm looking at is if they take that away, if that's their, that's their last base. Medicare and Social Security recipients. They already came for, you know, like, you know, that whole saying, first they came for the socialists, then I didn't do nothing, blah, 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 all that stuff. First they came for um, the, the unions, okay? That was their main financing base. Then they came for, uh, for, for, poor, for, for black people with the crime bill. You know, so NAFTA was the unions, crime bill was black people. Then they came for poor people, which was the Welfare Reform Act. Okay. Then Obama just 
fell asleep and didn't do anything for us. Okay, now they're coming. But the thing that they always paid attention to was, yo, as long as we keep the Medicare, Social Security recipients, we good. But now they're coming for them. Obama tried to come for them with that chain CPI bullshit with uh, trying to privatize Social Security. Now they're coming. I was like, abolishing political parties, Democrats are abolishing themselves. You know, all right, going on mute, getting a customer. But but I also want to just say a few more things, Savvy, before I before I, I, I give somebody else an opportunity. But, you know, all the things that, again, if we have somebody and hopefully somebody on any uh, is going to speak up against this and mainstream media against all the lies that he said, Biden. But, you know, even when he talked about the thirty five dollars for uh, capping insulin costs or capping costs, those costs should not even be there to begin with. We should have, uh, you know, free, free medicine for all of us at the point of use for all Americans, especially for seniors, anyone who's got special needs, you name it. All of us should have that as a right, you know, here. We, sp- we spend uh, more than, I think we spend more than $6,000 next to all the other industrial countries. Uh, we spend way too much money on all this. And this is just crumbs that he's talking about. The fact that he wants to cap insulin costs. Why you got, don't cap it? It should be free. We shouldn't have to pay for that. Period. But and, it's only you know, capped for certain people, though. Yes, that's the thing. It's not even capped for everybody. It's only capped for seniors who are on Medicare. And and, and many of the things that he's saying are. Pl- I mean, basically, the whole thing is just full of platitudes. There, there's nothing behind what he's saying that's actually going to happen. And, and um, I mean, it, it would be so easy to demolish everything that he said today if our microphones were a little bit uh, bigger and louder. Uh, and they will get bigger and louder. You know, I think I have faith that, that over time we are going to become the force behind what needs to change here in the country. Uh, that I, you know, I believe that. It's just going to take us time to get there. But I do believe that the generation coming up behind us is not going to believe all this bullshit that's being you know, fed to us. And people are waking up out of this. It's just going to take us time. But we're going to make our way to get to that point. Uh, how long it takes, I don't know. you know. But I, I do believe that. Uh, and, and if we don't do it, I mean, I also want to give you big props for your show. I think it was either yesterday or the day before talking about how right now we're real time getting conditioned with this thing with the balloon for China and getting people's minds or their mindset conditioned so that we can support something against China and, and you know, all for the purpose of, of, of the U.S. being economically the leader again. Uh, China hasn't done anything, you know, but they're doing that right now. They're literally working on people's minds. And this whole, you know, balloon thing is everywhere, Savvy. It's an Instagram and people are buying into it, man. And uh, so that All conditioning works. freaked out over this balloon because the media made them afraid. Yes. Yeah. But, you know, again, I just wanted, you know, you did a show. I can't, you know, I was watching it not live, but I was watching the, the, the replay. So I don't know if it was yesterday that you did that. And I thought it was awesome. You know, and a lot of times, Savvy, when I'm listening to you, I'm imagining how this would be if if half of the population could hear you. Uh, because I just keep nodding my head like, yeah, 
That's right. That's right, Savvy. Everything's correct what you're saying. And I could just see it if more people were to hear you. And, you know, for that matter, the whole RBN crew, people would just be like, what the heck's going on, man? What are they doing to us? So that's, you know, one of my one of my hopes and my dreams is that more people are going to listen to you guys in this 2023. And that you get more opportunities to do so. Uh, so the message comes across. But I'm going to give people a chance to speak up and, and, and say their piece. Thank you, Savvy. Thank you, crew. Thank you. Thank you so much. And yeah, I will tell you guys, I'm just going to go ahead and let you know. Before you know it, it will be 2024. And if you think people are giving RBN crap now, wait till 2024. Just wait till 2024 and we tell you, yeah, don't vote for either one of these parties. Wait till the, just wait, just wait. They're really going to come for us then. Let's go ahead and bring in Robin. You are the next caller. Hi, Sabby. Hello, what's up? Hey, um, I uh, am going to have a very narrow focus today. I wanted to start off by uh, talking about, I know that when you were on Rising and also when you were on the RBN network, you wanted to, uh, you were wondering what Joe Biden was going to say about police reform. And I will say that I was, I personally was disappointed in what he said because bottom line, he didn't say anything about what I tell you. (laughs) Yeah. And I felt so sorry for uh, the parents of Tyree. What was his last name? Um, Nichols. Tyree Nichols, you know, and it seems like his, the, the mom wanted to be a little bit, bit more gracious than the dad. I was looking at both of them, but the dad seemed to not be as um, yielding to Biden's speech as as the mom was when I was looking at their interactions. Um, you know why that is, though, right? Because the mom is less likely to be a target by the police. Absolutely. The absolutely. I did pick that up. So, um, so I'll just leave that where that is. Um, the other part, you know, on the same vein of that, uh, well, not on the same vein, but in terms of violence and things like that, where he had the gentleman, I guess, that arrested the assailant that, um, you know, shot up that club during the, the lunar year uh, celebration and everything. And he was talking about guns. And so now I'm putting on my libertarian hat and talking about that. Uh, where he uh, specifically said several times that the assailant had a semi-automatic pistol. Well, to anybody that has any knowledge of firearms, when you say semi-automatic pistol, you're basically just saying pistol, you know. So, you know, either you're talking about revolvers or you're talking about pistols, which are semi-automatic. But he made a specific point to say semi-automatic pistols because there is a reason why he wants to say that, which is that he wants to eventually get to the point where he envelops semi-automatic pistols, meaning Glocks, Smith & Wessons, you know, uh, Colt 45s or whatever, is all a part of the 
to be all a part of the assault weapons ban or whatever it is that the agenda is. Um, now, why am I bringing this up? I'm bringing this up because this is a, a an argument from a, a Second Amendment perspective about technology. And so, like, if you look at, and I'm going to try to put on my JB hat, JB is the master of analogies and things like that. So I'm not going yes. to... I'm going to try to do the best that I can. So like, for example, if you look at technology in terms of weapons and things like that, um, when I was growing up being a Gen Xer, when I was in kindergarten, we would learn how to write our letters in a, what was called a big chief tablet. And why was it called a big chief tablet? This was the racist part of it. It was literally a tablet. That had that that had a red uh, 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 cover on it, and it had a a big chief on it, <laughs> and that's why you called it a big chief tablet. <laughs> but and so basically, when you're when you are writing your and you're learning your letters and you're writing in your big chief flat tablet ABCs and one two threes and all of that other kind of stuff, that's kind of like the bow and arrows that you know. You literally take uh, something physical and draw your bow and arrow and you, you know, and you launch it or whatever. Uh, or you could just look at it as just picking up a rock and throwing it at somebody. That is the rudimentary thing that's going on. So now you go up in technology and then you say, okay, now you're moving on to just from writing to like maybe typeset. That's like your musket type of deal. You know, with typesetting, you put everything in a row and stuff, and then you press print and then what, uh, or mash it down in the ink and what comes out, comes out. So with the musket, you put in your, you know, your powder, your bullets, and you, you know, shove that in and then you point, I mean, aim and uh, point and aim and then shoot. And then it goes that way. And then you you get you get a little bit more sophisticated and then you go into from a writing perspective into like a typewriter and so like the typewriter was maybe like a a multi-barrel rifle or something or a multi-barrel um cannon whatever where you know it just kind of goes like that and then you go move up a little bit further and maybe you go into a, you know, a revolver stage, which is like a word processor, you know, where, and then finally you get to um, what you would call your semi-automatic pistol, which again, would be your Glock, would be your uh, uh, Smith & Wesson, would be, you know, all of these other normal things, Rugers. Um, and, but then that would be like Microsoft Word. And so you know, now this is something that is just part of your lexicon where a pistol is just a pistol. It's like Microsoft, you know, Microsoft Word, Word Perfect or whatever, Google Pages or whatever the Google thing is, the Google Docs. It's all the same thing, but they have all the same technologies. But, you know, you're not scaremongering people like, oh my gosh, now they can... uh uh, backspace on it now. Oh, and now they can uh, undo now. Oh my goodness. You know? <laughs> yeah. 
So th- the fact that if somebody would say that, oh, we can't we can't have Word Perfect or Word uh, Microsoft Word because you can undo, you know, because now we got to keep the the typewriter. People would be like, what are you talking about? And same thing with driving, you know. Most people don't know how to drive with a stick shift or whatever, manual stick shift, you know, versus auto uh, automatic driving. Um, but it's just the same thing. It's just these are just progressions in technology, which is that if somebody comes after me, then I don't have to stop and then put in gunpowder and then put in the bullets and then aim and shoot versus the gunpowder and the bullets are all encased in one round and then I type a deal which is would be like the automatic you know driving an automatic vehicle but you know people when but like I said there's a reason why he kept saying oh it's the heat the assailant had an automatic uh, pistol I mean uh, sorry he didn't say automatic pistol because most automatic pistols are banned. And most people don't know that. Machine guns, automatic pistols, all automatic anything, most of them are banned and highly, highly regulated. You would have to pay like $10,000 just to get a sticker to even own one of those things. And then you would still have to pay like these taxes on them every year or whatever. And so uh, what he's saying are things that just don't make any sense to the average gun owner. And so then he goes from, oh, well, he arrested this, uh, when I'm talking about the hero, he came upon and arrested this uh, assailant that had an auto, a semi-automatic pistol. And then the next thing he says is, we need to ban assault rifles. It's like, well, wait a minute now. <laughs> now you're talking about something totally different. Because semi-automatic pistols are like, I said your Glocks, your Smith and Wessons, your group, your your uh, Rugers, your Tauruses, you know those types of things. And now you've gone to banning assault weapons, which, from the government's perspective, from the two A perspective, assault weapons doesn't mean anything. That's just another made up word. But from the government perspective, if you're going to acknowledge their definition. They're talking about AR-15 rifles, which is basically big, scary black guns is what it is. You know, uh, they're big and they're black and they're scary to, you know, they look scary type of deal. And so, okay, well, even if you want to ban those guns, what is this assault thing that happened or this mass shooting that happened? during the lunar year with the so-called semi-automatic uh, pistol have to do with rifles. It doesn't have anything to do with that. So you're conflating these two things that go together. And then also, you know, when they talk about banning these semi-automatic rifles and things, most people don't realize that most homicides and murders and things like that don't happen with these so-called assault weapons that they're talking about. They happen with handguns or as Joe Biden said, these semi-automatic pistols that he, you know, tried to equate with assault rifles. 
Robin, so, do you think do you think that people watching that tonight may have been well people who are not um gun owners mm-hmm. watching that tonight do you think they may have been somewhat lost on that because i'll be honest with you i don't i don't know much about guns i learn about it from you like honestly <laughs> <laughs> i don't know much about it but it seems like to me that you know that's that flew right over my head because i don't know as much about guns but all i heard was semi-automatic and I didn't even pick up on the fact that, well, he could just be talking about pistols. Right. And he said, and he was, and, and to his credit, he said semi-automatic pistols, but he, the they have been training people to hear semi-automatic, 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 semi-automatic pistols. But, you know, to, that is by design. Yep. That is by design. So, yes, it flew over, I would say, probably uh 85% of the population in the United States even though the gun population is growing significantly in terms of the people that are watching the state of the union i would still say the vast majority of them would not have picked up on that when he says semi automatic he he wants people to think machine guns and that is not the case at all when semi automatic only means I pull the trigger one time and one bullet comes out when I pull the trigger one time. That's it. Did everybody so did everybody just hear what Robin said? I think that's really important for people to understand because like I'll be honest with you when I hear that phrase like semi-automatic, I would not have thought that like what you just said. And that's the thing is like do you think that Joe Biden knows that or do you think that was just him his mind playing tricks with him again. You no, think no, he no. He's been, he's been lying about this before he went, uh, de- uh, before the dementia happened. Oh, so this, okay. th- for him, this is intentional. Uh, you know, you can go back on uh, and look at what the things that he said and done over the years. For him, this is an d- intentional diversion. Semi-automatic simply means I pull the trigger one time and one bullet comes out. And then when it, w- the reason why it's called semi-automatic is simply means that I don't have to do anything. I'll, all I have to do to pull, a, uh, to have another bullet extract is to, pu- is to pull the trigger a separate time. That, that, which means like, for example, if I have a revolver for non-semi-automatic revolvers, you pull the trigger, and then what you would have to do is draw the hammer back and then pull the trigger. That would not be semi-automatic. That would be a single-action uh, revolver. Most hunting rifles are not auto- semi-automatic. We just pull, pull, pull. You have to do something else to reload, which is like with muskets, like I said. You know, with muskets, mm. you pull the trigger, and then, okay, the, the bullet goes out. Then you got to put in the the powder and the bullet and pack it down and all other kind of stuff. And then you pull a trigger again. So all of that other kind of stuff means that it's not semi-automatic. Robin, I learned something new from you. I know you said you learn new things from us at RBN, but I want to let you know I learned something new from you every time. <laughs> yes. And so try to make things be really, really scary when it's not scary. You know, again, if you know anybody that's had any 
I mean, police officers, military people, hunters, you know, just people that just want to protect their family or whatever. Um, these are things that you're, you're taught in terms of self-defense and things like that. And so they try to use these bud words, oh, semi-automatic. You know, it just means no. <laughs> you pull the trigger one time <laughs> and then you let it go and you pull it again and then another bullet comes out. That is the, here's, that is the literal definition. Here's a question, though. When, like you just said of your own admission, most of Americans don't know the discernment between these terms. Mm -hmm. But what we do understand is in the incidents where there have been mass shootings like in Uvalde and in Buffalo, those were those AR-15 style guns or whatever they are that can kill multiple people very quickly. It's not like you have to, or they, when they talk about the high capacity magazines, the lay person is thinking whatever gun you're talking about is the kind that will allow you to fire multiple rounds in quick succession without having to reload or, or cock it to reload that chamber. So I think the fact that most Americans understand that when he says semi-automatic or he's talking about that, most Americans are thinking of these AR-15s because those are the ones that have been used or seized in most of the mass shootings, which are on the increase. Okay. Okay. So now, uh, Noel, what I will say about that is this. Semi-automatic is the exact same for those AR-15s as they are for the pistols. The, uh, the mechanics are the exact same thing. There's no difference in the mechanics. So if I have a nine millimeter and I go pow, 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 and I have an AR-15 and I go pow, 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 the mechanics of that are no different at all. The only difference in terms of the nine millimeter and the AR-15 in terms of the platform is the fact that actually the AR-15, to be honest, is easier to maneuver because you have less um, kickback when you pull trigger because of the size uh, in the barrel of the uh, AR-15 as opposed to the um, as opposed to the 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 nine millimeter because usually the longer the barrel, the less uh, blowback or or you know a kickback that you get when you shoot it. But in terms of you know, the how lethal it is and how or how fast you can pull the trigger, that's uh dependent upon how fast you can literally pull you can pull the trigger. That has nothing to do with the mechanics of the gun at all. And and I think we understand that as the lay people, we're saying in these mass shootings, the reason so many people are being killed in those incidents. It's because whatever type of guns these people have, and largely what we've seen is the AR-15, mm -hmm. to the lay public, we're saying whatever the mechanism is, whatever it is, the technology, we're saying ban whatever it is, be it the AR-15 or the revolver, whatever it is, that is allowing so many people to be killed in one incident so quickly. And to your point, 
you know, before they would do, first of all, they're not going to do any type of real substantive gun control because there's too much money being made around it. But I'm saying in terms of the way that narrative is framed, I think it is important that the, the majority of the country understands and is on the same page that they're talking about these guns that allow people to kill people very quickly because they, again, they have high capacity magazines or these things that they can attach to them with that has multiple rounds. So all you have to do is continue to fire, fire, fire. But the, the actual specifics of it, I think people are comfortable that, you know, whenever, whatever they would get to legislation, they would identify whatever it is. Well, I mean, maybe and maybe not. And here's the reason why I say that. Um, most, even most mass shootings, most mass shootings or even the most deadly mass shootings have been done with uh, handguns and not with AR-15s. They make a big deal out of the AR-15s, but some of the most deadly mass shootings have been done with semi-automatic firearms, which I just say are just your average Glocks and things like that. So, and, and that's my whole point, which is, most people, when they think of banning assault weapons, they're thinking the big, black, scary AR-15s. They're not thinking their own personal Glock that they keep in their, you know, in their car or in their home and by their nightstand or whatever. I'm saying that there, there is a, um, a, a communication or, or, or a discourse that's kind of coming up that's including things that most Americans don't realize is being included. Now, not, do I believe that we shouldn't pre be, that shouldn't be a part of the discussion? Yeah. If we're going to talk about it, let's talk about it because I agree with you, Noel, that this discussion about guns a lot of times is disingenuous because when you look at the statistics, most people die by hands and feet in terms of murder than they do by these big, black, scary AR-15s that are occurring in the mass shootings. But Whoa. they think that it's easier to ban those things. But eventually, you're going to get to the point where even if you go back to the 1993 or 1994 assault bans, weapon ban, and you ban those things, you're going to come up against the fact that Oh, most of these mass shootings are still being done by the quote unquote uh, semi automatic uh, uh, pistols. And so now what are we going to do? So then the discourse talks about that. And so then, you know, I'm just saying, let's be up and out in the front and open about what we're actually talking about. Let's put all of our cards on the table and stop faking the funk in terms of what it is that this side wants to do and what it is that side wants to do. And let's have a very open and honest discussion and really lay down the definitions and the terms that we're talking about in terms of, so we're not lying to the, the American people. And if the American people say, let's do that, we, we have all the information we need and then we're going to change the constitution or we're going to institute this, this ban or this ban, fine. But don't lie and up, uh, obfuscate the truth about what we're talking about, you know, in terms of 
how we hold this discourse going forward. Well, and see, question. I think they obfuscate and, you know, talk disingenuously because the reality is neither side really wants to do anything. They mm -hmm. talk because they know with these occurrence of these mass murders, which have been increasing in frequency, that something needs to be done. Mm -hmm. But we are way too violent of a culture to even consider doing what we're really what we've seen in other countries calls the gun violence to decrease dramatically. And that is serious bans on guns. And they're just not going to do it. But no, neither side really wants to have that discussion. So to your point, they're not going to frame it in the specific ways that people will understand. Because the bottom line is they don't plan to do it know how. Well, let me ask a question really quick, Robin. And then I want to I want to make sure I move on to Lysol when you're when you're finished. But um, in, in reference to like gun control, I think this statement kind of took us by surprise tonight. Joe Biden said that they passed gun control legislation. I don't remember that happening. What they did was um, they included some red flag laws or allowed the ability for certain states or, or states to institute red flag laws. Uh, where, meaning that if you feel like somebody that you know or whatever uh, may be a danger to themselves or somebody else, then you can appeal to a court and say, hey, this person either should not be allowed to purchase guns or if they already have guns, maybe we should confiscate the guns that that person already has. That law did pass after the Uvalde shooting and, and the Buffalo shooting or what have you. And then also the House uh, passed an assault weapons ban last year, but it never got to the Senate. Okay. Uh, now, the, the, in terms of the red flag laws, the thing that is uh, the big consternation about that is that there is a concern about due process because right now each state that has these red, uh, of these, uh, these, uh, red, what is, what is it? I'm sorry. It's late. The it's red, good. the, the laws in terms of, uh, the red flag laws, they all have different types of criteria in terms of red flag laws and things. The, the two a community or the second a community would say that these laws circumvent due process. And a lot of times they do, you know, but it depends on state by state where you live. And so, you know, somebody can just whisper. And, and one of the biggest things, one, well, one of the arguments could be that, let's say um, you and your husband get divorced and you own firearms and then, you know, he's just got it for you or whatever. Then he can go and file a complaint with the Massachusetts uh, state, whatever, you know, county or the, the the sheriff's department and say, oh, well, I think she's a threat to society or she's a threat to our unborn kids or what, you know, whatever, you know, and then they'll just come and just take your guns just based on that one assertion. And then now you've got to go to court to prove that you are not a threat to anybody to get your guns back. 
or to get the ability to purchase guns back. And so there's a bit, depending on what state you live in, there's uh, various degrees of, well, wait a minute, you know, just some anonymous rando person. Maybe I have a, uh, an argument with my neighbor who doesn't like the fact that my dog barks, you know, at 2 a.m. every night or whatever. And though, so he can't go to sleep and he knows I own guns. And now he's going to complain that I'm a threat because I have guns and he takes my guns away because my dog barks. So that's the thing, you know, uh, so there's different arguments about that, that things that needs to be, you know, kind of worked out around that. Okay. That makes sense. That makes sense. Um, I want to let Robin go ahead and and finish. I don't know if you had anything else, Robin. And then if not, I want to move on to Lysol, but go ahead. Okay. Yeah. So the last thing I just wanted to say, again, just to um, respond to to Noel. And and when I say respond, just to, I don't mean it in an attack mode or whatever, but, but I agree. What I will say is this. We live in the United States of America. We are a republic. We um, have a constitution, and we and, and I believe that Noel would agree with me on these things. That we uh, vote on things up or down, good or bad. You know, our nation uh, decided at one point that uh, we wanted to ban alcohol, and then they looked around and saw all the chaos that came about it and said, "Oh, that wasn't a good idea." They repealed that. You know, we looked around and said, hey, women need to have a right to vote. And then they added that on those things. I'm all apart. I'm all okay with that. And so when it comes to the Second Amendment rights, all I'm saying is, is that I don't mind the discourse. I don't mind the debate. All I'm saying is, let's have an open and honest debate to where the people are fully informed in terms of what they're voting on and then look at the the uh our current constitution as it is and if we need to change that let's change that together as a society you know uh and do that together and and that's all I'm saying but but the obfuscation I, I think we would both agree on this in terms of both sides you know, leaning on one way or the other or whatever, um, you know, let's just lay everything on on the table. Let's leave it up to the American people to decide what we want to do as a country and not play uh, uh, verbal mind games and tricks and stuff to try to get our way one way or the other. And then with that, I'll yield. Robin, you need your your own YouTube show to give us visuals on everything you just said about uh, uh, I need visual of what, what you was talking about. With I know, the gun. right? <laughs> all right. I may work on that. <laughs> all, of that kind of, all of that kind of flew over my head when you were saying all the technical, mechanical stuff. So I was like, I need visual what you're talking about here. I know, you, right? That was awesome. Um, let me go ahead and bring in Lysol. You are on the mic. What's going on? Hey, Sabby, how's it going? Hey, how are you? Not bad. Um, it's it's funny. I, I I grew up with my dad yelling at the TV at the State of the Union in the '90s, and so this is kind of like a tradition every year to get all worked up about this shit. But <laughs> um, yeah, it was it, it was really bad. But I I mean I feel like it was kind of like watching a four year old ride a bike. You're like, is he gonna make it? Is he gonna make it? And 
other than deciding to not try to pronounce the Ukrainian ambassador's name, he's he managed to seem coherent. He's like, it's a, it's <laughs> just good enough. The Democrats will be able to say that was just good enough. I guess I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um, what do you think? What do you think is going to happen, Lysol? Because like it was very clear to me. Like I was just like, okay, there are obvious lies, obvious lies here. For him to pretend like the economy is doing better when we all know we've watched the reports, all of these companies are laying off thousands of workers. And he won't even mention it for him to say that, you know, the prices are coming down. I was just at the grocery store yesterday, yesterday, I paid $9 for a carton of eggs. Like it just. What do you think it's going to take? Do you think the American people are really going to wake up? Because 2024, I know it seems like it's a long way, you guys, but it's literally right around the corner. Well, so do you feel like the people who tune in to watch the State of Union are kind of demographically representative of the average American? Or does it trend more towards kind of like the PMC slash doesn't have to cook dinner at six o'clock on the West Coast type person? Ooh, that's a good question. Well, that's interesting. My dad would watch it because, but my dad always watched news anyway. Like he watched news and sports for the most part. So I would see it growing up because my dad would put that on. It was like, it's part of news. You need to know what's going on in the world. That's a good question. I think a lot of people, at least that I can talk to here in Boston that are working class, they're not watching it. Right? Yeah. It's, um... Yeah, and it's I mean I mean it's it's such a it's such a slow pace. There's so much clapping in between and if you're you know, I mean I I waited 20 minutes and watched it on like 1.25 speed cuz I I can't handle Biden at at human life level. It's too it's too fucking slow. <laughs> Go from the left teleprompter to the right teleprompter to the left teleprompter to the right teleprompter. Just like back and forth the entire time like you know, making eye contact with literally nobody. I felt bad because like I I invited like Colin and Kit from to come on and, and you know talk about it with me. I didn't realize like Joe Biden was going to talk for that long because last year I I really don't think the State of the Union address was this long last year. I really don't think it was this long. <laughs> but he talked forever. And I was like, oh my god! I was like, I feel so bad. I did not tell Colin and them this was going to be this long. Um, but I felt like there were certain areas where he just kind of dragged on and I felt like he didn't really give an answer per se, like, especially when it came to the, even like the healthcare issue, he was just like, well, you know, we did this, we did that. And we know that people who have kids that are diabetic, this doesn't apply to them. They were like, okay, why don't you just give everyone Medicare for all? He. He said they were going to cap seniors' prescription drug costs at $2,000 a year. So that's like almost 200 bucks a month. But you know what's crazy? It's like a lot of seniors and I, like this was something I learned from my grandparents. Like a lot of seniors, if you're retired and you don't have another job, and I say that because today some seniors that are retired have still picked up a job. Like they may be the greeters at your Walmart, right? So... They, like, even, like, that $2,000 a year, we have to remember, guys, they're on a fixed income, 
And I know like for like my grandparents, like these are people who like worked for the telephone company for like 20, 25 years, like Bell South back when that was like a thing. Like they worked for like those kind of companies for years. They got their health care benefits through that company. They got like maybe a pension. I don't even think companies do pensions nowadays. Like I never got a pension like ever. Like I don't, I, I don't know. Yeah, that, but that got replaced with 401k. That was their way of sneaking out from having to pay uh, pensions unless you work for the government and you get like a pension. Okay. That, that makes sense because like, like for me, I was just like, you work for like the telephone company for Bell South for like all these years and then you retire and then you have like your pension and then you still have like your health care that may carry over or whatever. But at the end of the day, you're living on a fixed income. So what I found is like when I worked at the skilled nursing facility, what I found is that a lot of those seniors, they don't have that extra $2,000. And here, I mean, I don't think a lot of those pensions, like you say, is limited income, but the it was fixed on a salary that was earned way decades ago. So it's even smaller. And for the COLA or cost of living adjustments that some of them get, they rarely keep up with the consumer price index and the rise of inflation. So you're you're living on a fixed income that is becoming less and less valuable because things are getting more and more expensive. So you're really in a tight. Yeah, I hate to tell, like, I don't know. I feel like Joe Biden knows this, but he's just playing dumb or he's just lost it. But like $2,000, like that, like for a year, like that's not, that doesn't even cover rent for most one bedroom apartments here in the Boston area. So to tell like seniors, you only have to pay $2,000 a year. It's like, what about seniors that live in places like Boston, San Francisco, Los Angeles, like all these kind of, that's, that's a lot of money to them. Uh, did you, uh, did you catch Biden accidentally humble brag that he's doubled how many billionaires we have? Yes. Like that was another thing too. Like I was just like, what the like I really I tried really hard Lysol to like like honestly like bite my tongue so I didn't interrupt too much because I know we were pausing and those of you that that saw tonight I know some of you were just like just play it just play it and I'm like but we had to interject on certain parts and there were just certain parts for me I was just like oh my god do I need to pause this like every five seconds because he said that part but he also mentioned, don't worry, he said to the Republicans, don't worry, Big Pharma's going to be okay. They're going to be all right. We're going to, we're, so he was basically sending them the signal to let them know we're going to protect Big Pharma. They're going to be okay. That was not cool. And like, what was crazy is like, you had all the Democrat politicians stand up and applaud and clap for him. I'm like, why are you clapping? Do you understand what he just said? Yeah, it's I mean, it's it's kind of like if Congress is high school, this is the high school play. No, I agree. I feel like. I don't know, man, like, <laughs> but it's funny, like some people are already praising him. Yeah, Joe Biden's done a great job. Listen. I will say 
adding jobs, yes, that is a good thing. But if you guys notice, they never tell us what these jobs were. They don't tell us if these were like full-time positions or part-time positions. They don't say if they're contract positions or temp positions. They don't say if these are minimum wage jobs. They don't tell you what these jobs are. And they also leave out the facts. How could you do a State of the Union address? And you don't even mention all the people who were just laid off. Thousands of people that were laid off by all these freaking tech companies. Like he didn't even mention it. That is so disingenuous to the American people. Well, and he started with the deficit. Like I'm, I'm a data nerd, so I was paying attention to all the unemployment numbers. And for the first 52 weeks of the pandemic, there were 112 million unemployment claims. That's over a third of the country. So you like there were 112, how many? 112 million. That's including the people who were able to, uh, who were able to do the, uh, like the emergency assistance program. Then they, they put one out for who are people who are entrepreneurs to be able to pay themselves and stuff. 112 million in 52 weeks. Like Lysol, like I didn't know those numbers, but I did know that he wasn't being honest about the unemployment numbers. He like flat out lied to the American people. And what's sad is that most Americans are not going to do the research that you did. They're not going to look up the data. Also, uh, Lysol, what you were saying before, I think most people were just pissed off that their favorite show got uh, pushed aside to, to, to see this clown and was probably pissed at that. <laughs> but that, that, that's, why hate, uh, that's why I hate baseball. It meant the Simpsons weren't going to be on that night. Um, but he also said, because you're talking about uh, lies, he said, oh, uh, when, we're going to protect Medicare and that one here is going to be whatever with Medicare. I'm like, what are you talking about? You're the one launching ACO Reach, <laughs> which, is what, which is what we all need to be talking about. Can you, explain, really can you explain that to people, Roger? Because not everyone is aware of what that means. I'm still trying to... Uh, understand the mechanics of it but the short but what i do know is that it's handing medicare over to wall street now if you want some more um what's that word want some more specifics about it um do a youtube search and type in um uh uh, uh the, what is it um the, oh damn it something behind the uh because originally it was called something else. I did cover this BCE. because when I talked about like you confronting um, Jamal Bowman, I did talk DCE. about what that meant. Yeah, DCE. It was originally called DCE. Exposed, it's the same. Okay, yeah. I remember. Um, yeah. Do a YouTube search exposing the profiteers behind Medicare reach. Also go to the website pnhp.org. P-N-H-P. P.org. That stands for Phys Physicians for National Healthcare Program. Okay. So, yeah, um, this is important for people to know because I, I say this because I felt like this is not getting enough attention as it should. Like, I know I covered it on my show. Um, it was covered, like, we covered it on RBN as well. But at the same time, there was an article written in Jacobin about this last year. The lever covered this last year. And so mm -hmm. it was kind of interesting to me. Like, I don't know if you guys saw, but I did see like that interview with, um, or part of that interview with Jordan Sheridan, Marianne Williamson. 
And Jordan mentioned that to Marianne and Marianne said, Joe Biden is not, first of all, Joe Biden's not trying to privatize Medicare. And Jordan was like, well, no, um, David Sirota reported about this in the lever. And I was kind of shocked that she didn't know that. That's why I was like, what is she talking about? This has been covered by independent media multiple times. Yeah. So that, so that DC, like blew my mind. So DCE, I forgot what the E stood for, but direct contracting, maybe E stood for exchange. I forgot, but it was something that Trump started that Biden picked up and is continuing. And he pretty much just changed the name. But like I said, you do a YouTube search exposing exposing the profiteers behind Medicare reach. Go to the website, pnhp.org, and then, you know, go browse through it and look for where it says reach, okay? They're the ones that put on that YouTube thing that I I just said, exposing the profiteers behind Medicare reach, okay? So this right here is you have two choices. You can either fight the federal government to stop this from happening, um, or you could go in the other direction and say, the federal government is coming for us. We're going to have to protect ourselves and push uh, uh, initiatives where you can to get for single payer health care. And it has to start with the with the ballot initiative states that allow you to what's that word to um, amend your constitution using the ballot initiative process. I mean, I know this is why and and I want to mention this because I forgot to mention this on the show tonight, but this is why I do have to mention that we will be talking to Senator Eldridge here in Massachusetts. It's his bill. He is the one who wrote the Medicare for all bill in Massachusetts, and he also wrote the public banking bill. So we're going to be meeting with him this Thursday uh, for a private meeting, and then he is actually going to come on. It's it's the week after the Rage Against the Machine, the Rage Against the War Machine rally. It's the week after that. He's going to be coming on that next Sunday to talk to us about it on a live stream because we need to get these things passed. Like this, this is just ridiculous. Like, because again, you guys see what's happening with the federal government. They're not going to give us these things because they're so they're bought and and controlled. Like we have to do things on the local level. They're, they're exactly they're taking things away. The Supreme Court right now, for those who are not aware, the Supreme Court right now is meeting to decide whether or not to make strikes illegal for certain industries. I'm not just talking about the railroad workers. I'm talking about other industries as well. Time to they pump are up trying to, 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 to allow for worker cooperatives. Then you won't have to strike because you own it. Exactly. They're trying to create. Oh, uh, Betsy said next Thursday. Yeah, they're trying to create basically like this system where we're we're indentured servants again. This is what they're trying to do. This is indentured servitude, you guys, where they're trying to make it so that you are going to go to work. And this is why I left Boston University, because they did the same thing. It got to the point where they're like, we don't want to hear complaints. We just want you to come in, keep your head down and do your work and do what's asked of you, whether it's your job or not. And that's why the turnover rate was so bad. But it's not just Boston University. It's other companies as well. This is becoming a trend, you guys. This is why I'm telling you, and this is why we keep advocating for a general strike. 
it won't just be one company. It's not just Starbucks. It's not just Chipotle. It's not just Amazon. This is spreading across the country. They know that the workers really do. We really do have all the power. And they have been exploiting us for so long. And so this is why I get really excited about something that like Shama Sawant started, which is Worker Strike Back. This is why I get so excited about it because I'm like, yes, we need something for the working people. We can't just sit up here and rely and hope on politicians. Mm-hmm. Because when you guys do it, then we do it. Our, our states, our non-BI states do it. Yes. Yeah, so for those who don't know, also the warehouse worker uh, act that was passed in New York state, that was not done without the work on the outside by the Amazon organizers. That's what pushed that to come into life. That's what pushed Governor Hochul to make that act a thing. You have to have the movement on the outside. You can't just say, let's just vote these people into power and just hope they do the right thing. That is not how things work in this country. Like you really have to have those outside movements. And so I think that, I think what was kind of disappointing for me is that Shama Sawant made that announcement and she made that announcement in Seattle. And then I posted on Twitter that I was going to be discussing it that night on my show. And it just happened that her organizers reached out to me and said, would it be okay if Shama came back on tonight to discuss? I said, absolutely, because she's been on before. So she made that announcement again on my show like that night. And I feel like there was a lot of momentum around it. And then the next thing I know, the next week, it was all about Marianne Williamson. And I was just like, wait a minute, what happened to Worker Strike Back? And you guys got to pay attention. Like, we cannot be distracted. We cannot let these things. This is what so frustrated me, I think, about that Marianne Williamson interview, is that so many people were focused on what happened at the end, that they forgot about the answers that Marianne gave during that interview. And not only that, but they're so focused on that, that they forgot about the initiative that Shama Sawant started, which is actually more important than someone running for president. I'm sorry, but it is what it is. Mm-hmm. That did feel almost purposeful. Like I, I had the exact same level of enthusiasm, and I was ready to go. I've, I've signed up on their website twice just in case the first one didn't take, and I haven't got an email back from them, but I donated anyway. And it was just kind of like, yeah, that's what I want to talk about. And then immediately it became this kind of like infighting, and it's like you know, the genre of like YouTube celebrity critiques other YouTube celebrity. It's like I, I have a lower tolerance for that. I can listen to it, but after a certain point, I'm like, this kind of feels repetitive like i get what i get what you're saying but like again like tell me more about kashama tell me what they tell me what we can do there's this critical mass of people who like want to do something and just want to be somebody direct me in the right place and this organization comes up that like threatens to give people meaning in life and then the first thing we do is talk about some bullshit instead sabrina um oh hello yeah i can hear you so uh let me tell you about for a second um, a guy I knew uh, named Steve. He was the one first met him in 2017. He was the one that hit me to and put me on this path of look at what's going on in your own state. Okay, he was the one that told me about the New York Health Act. He was the one that was just like, no, this is is a your your senator. 
your state senator. I was like, oh, okay. He's the one, well, he's no longer there, but he's the one that's the, the head of the health committee and he's not bringing up the New York Health Act. And he told me what it was. Um, he, 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 I mean, he didn't tell me everything about the states, but he pretty much put a bug in my ear and said, listen, you can get a lot more done here than you could get nationwide. Because he was just like, I'm not even looking at those guys. You know, so he was going through like, uh, uh, he was going through like cancer treatments, you know, throughout the year, you know, throughout the years or whatever. Remission means it goes dormant. Is that what remission means? For the most part. Okay. So it, it went, his, his, uh, his, his thing is, um, cancer went to remission. And then uh, it came back and he was telling me about it or whatever the case is. Um, I don't even think I spoke to him this year. And I even spoke speak to him this year. I, I think I spoke to him like December or something like that. And um, so, you know, so the New York Health Act really was something that that definitely would, would have helped him. Um, but then, you know, I ended up getting a text today that um, he passed. He succumbed to cancer a couple of days ago you know so i'm thinking what if we would have had that past you know what i'm saying would he have still been here today you see what i'm saying so um you know like i'm like i said i'm not really here for the performance i'm not here for none of that i'm here to do whatever i can to get the shit done you know what I'm saying? So I just wanted to make that clear. And and everyone else, this is an all-in thing. This ain't just me, and it ain't about me. This is about all of us. And what the fuck are we going to do? You know what I'm saying? We going to let these guys just run over us? You know what I'm saying? Are we going to sit by the sidelines? Or are we going to get up out of our seat and actually do something? Because today it was Steve. Tomorrow it could be someone that, that you know that you care about. Or, it's, or it could be you. You know what I'm saying? So, like, yo, like I said, I'll say it again. Um, we got, we got like almost a whole two years until November of 2024. So, uh, a large, a, what do you, a large time window, time frame, is the ally of grassroots. The longer that you wait, and that time window starts to shrink, that's the ally of big money. You see what I'm saying? So there's no time but to do it, but today. I wish I could do, I mean, I'm doing whatever I can do in this non-valid initiative state. Believe me, if, if we were, I wouldn't even talk to these politicians. I'd be like, yeah, okay, yeah, whatever. You do what you do, I'm gonna do what I do. You know what I'm saying? But unfortunately, I'm in a position where I gotta deal with these people until we could get, you know, uh, uh, the legislature to put an initiative, legislative initiative before us to, uh, to, uh, to transform us into a CBI state. But that would mean that they would have to share power with us. And that's the trick. You know, in some states, you know, could already do. And you know, besides, you know what? When I read, by the way, when I research your state, Sabrina, that is crazy. You gotta, you gotta read like those laws, the laws governing the CBI process. Yo, that is crazy. The way they put that barrier up for, to make it damn near impossible for you to pass uh, uh, amendments through the initiative process. That's why most of the time you guys just do laws. But um, 
But this is what I want people to understand. Like I live in a state in one of the states that's the most difficult ballot initiative states is actually more difficult to get things passed in Massachusetts, but we have gotten a lot of things passed. So what does that tell you? Like we passed $15 minimum wage years ago, years ago, before Bernie Sanders even started to, before Bernie Sanders even started to run, we had already passed that. We just passed the millionaire's tax. We passed the dental um, insurance measure, which everybody needs to have, by the way. We just passed that. We legalized marijuana. We were the first state to legalize marijuana on the East Coast. And and to allow shops as well. And now they've lowered the prices at the shops because it's so freaking profitable. Like we passed so many things here. We passed the, um, which was one of the things that Bernie Sanders ran on, was to give everybody paid family leave, right? We passed that a year ago. Like it's just, I, I, this is what I, I, I've been trying to explain to people. Is like, again, I want people to understand it is more difficult to get a ballot measure passed in Massachusetts than it is some of these other states. And we've passed more of these progressive policies. Mm -hmm. So something to keep in mind. Anything else, Lysol? If not, I'm going to move on to the next person. Uh, Yeah, one one last thing. So I'm I'm definitely in the COVID cautious group, and there was a person I follow on Twitter that it was taking pictures saying I'm going door to door in Congress uh, senators offices um, asking people to wear masks for the state of the union. So I'm like, okay, this will be interesting. Let's see who, who's going to wear a mask. And it was, it was only Bernie Sanders and uh, me wearing a mask beyond my own personal risk assessment is a way of expressing in solidarity with the immunocompromised people who are on immunosuppressive drugs, people who have long COVID already and are dealing with that um, because without mask mandates, they're basically kind of excluded from, um, from society. And I think if anybody, if anybody's building a movement, we're talking about tens of millions of people that, you know, few people fight for Medicare for all, like the fucking disabled. I'll just say that. And these are, these are allies and having, having, having policies that encourage and or require mask usage is a good way to be an ally to them. Lysol, have you seen the, the latest report from the CDC in reference to mask use? Uh, what was the most recent one? The CDC is now saying that masks don't stop or prevent infection. Hmm. I mean, I check it pretty regularly because like, um, I just, I, I noticed like their information was changing. So I have been checking it pretty often, but I recommend checking the CDC's latest reports about masks because they're now saying that masks don't don't stop the spread. I think that's referring to cotton masks or surgical masks. I'm, I'm pretty sure the, the science on N95s is still pretty airtight. Hmm. Because there is a there's a big degree of difference between the two, and it's been a frequent minimizing point to be like, oh, the masks don't work. It's like, yeah, the ones that aren't, you know, it, you know, the, the N95 refers to like specific testing and has to be able to get through. And it's, you know, the people who say the, the, the virus is too small to get through. It's like, it's not the virus getting through. It's the droplets, the right. air to get through. And those are too big to get through an N95. Right. It's like the, um, I don't know. It's like during like flu season, like before COVID, like there was flu season. You guys remember when that was a thing? <laughs> okay. So 
there was flu season and I remember during flu season, they used to always tell us, especially since like I worked with the students, wash your hands multiple times a day and don't forget about the droplets. The droplets can get out there. Make sure you sanitize like your workspaces and things like that. But then also like a lot of viruses are spread through your hands because we use our hands to everything. It's like I may touch like my computer and then I touch my face. Right. But yeah, the CDC is now saying that. And and it's just, they've gone back and forth on this. At one point, at one point, this was uh, Fauci's thing. At one point, Fauci said like the vaccines, you know, would prevent infection. Then he had to come back and retract that and say, well, wait a minute, because people were testing positive and they were vaccinated. He was like, wait a minute. Um, the vaccines don't prevent infection, but it does make it so that your symptoms will be less severe. And then people were getting vaccinated and they still died. So it was just like, they. I would just say, check the CDC website every week because they keep changing that. Well, so I feel like, I feel like COVID's, a, a, you know, another classic example of Biden trying to split the difference between the truth and the Republicans and landing kind of in the middle of nowhere. Like, I'm sure you've seen that there's a, a movement growing on the right saying that all people that are dropping dead is part of uh, the vaccine, when in fact, it's actually people who have, who have COVID and try to get back too fast end up having long COVID because the current, the current, current main theory for long COVID is that your body just doesn't clear the virus. So it's still in there. And it's one of the few viruses that can cause, I think it's called synctia. It's basically, it can grab other cells and glom onto themselves to make like big multiple cell structures. And these form microclots. And it's one of the reasons why everybody's fucking dropping dead. And by refusing to, by the Biden administration refusing to acknowledge that this is actually a long-term effect of COVID because they have to done play long COVID in order to say that the, uh, in order to say the pandemic's over, they're ceding all of the space to the people on the other side. Like, oh, well, it's the vaccine. People didn't just drop dead before the vaccine. You know, and it's, you know, by refusing to speak the truth, they just get stuck between a rock and a hard place. Are you talking about the athletes? Yeah, athletes. I mean, the, the, um, the rate of heart attacks for people between the age of 25 and 44 jumped 30%. I did notice that, yeah. You're, you're three times more likely to get diabetes after you've had COVID. Three times. There isn't a, there isn't an organ in your body it doesn't invade, and one of the main things it does is it fucks up your endothelial cells, which are the blood lining of your blood vessels, which are kind of important. Are you serious? You you want to hear something that's really weird? Um, so get this. So about a year ago, like my husband got COVID, and obviously we live in the same house, but. <laughs> He got, he got COVID and like, he's, he rarely gets sick like ever, but when he does get sick, he's like down for the count, like just FYI for people. <laughs> I, I know like some of you listening are probably like, well, that's, it's like that with all men when they get sick, <laughs> but when he does get sick, he's like down for the count. So he, he got COVID, he was down for the count and he was like, yeah, I don't feel great. He went and got tested. He tested positive. And the night before when he was also sick, obviously we slept in the same room, same bed, that kind of thing. Nothing ever happened to me. I never got symptoms. I, I went and got tested like right after that. Cause I was like, Oh shit. Like I went and got tested. He was kind of banished to the man cave, but I think he was okay with that. There's video games in there, but I went and got tested and everything. 
never tested positive. It was the weirdest thing. So I don't know. There are some theories that some of the newer variants are better at evading detection, at least on the rapid antigen tests. PCRs, I think, are still pretty accurate. But in terms of the, the gene they look for and stuff like that, like, you know, the, the, the problem is we're giving it billions of chances to out-evolve us. And it's just like, you know, it's, it's a numbers game. I don't know. I, I know better than to try to change people's minds about COVID. I just urge caution and try to spread awareness. because I really do believe it's a mass disabling event. And by the time people are all fucked up, it'll be too, you know, it'll be too late. So, and especially, you know, with people who are, dis- uh, who are disabled. Interesting. Well, thank you so much for that, Lysol. Yeah, for sure. Have a good one. All right. We're going to bring in the one and only Mr. Brady. What is up? Just got to unmute. If you're still there. Oh, Brady might be stuck in a glitch. Brady, I'll invite you to speak and I'll go ahead and bring in Steve. Steve, you are on the mic. Just got to unmute. Oh, no, he's not. I don't know what happened to Steve. Oh, there he is. Okay. Okay, try it again, Steve. Okay, sorry. I wasn't seeing the unmute button and then I fat fingered hang up because they're right next to each other. Uh, Anyway, yeah, the um, part of the State of the Union that I caught, it just, I don't know. I think um, somebody earlier said they were exhausted from it. I feel kind of the same way. Um, It's just also fucking meaningless. And like, I don't know. I, I know I'm not the only person that that just kind of felt like it's spectacle and meaningless and that everything he says he did or that his government did like wasn't as impactful as they said it was and everything they said they were going to do is ridiculous mm-hmm. um, or not enough rather. Right. Um, but I think my favorite, my favorite one of everything was the uh, hidden fees act, right. Or whatever the, T Swift going against uh, Ticketmaster is that the story? I don't recall. Oh, Taylor Swift. Yeah, right. Didn't she like go to bat with Ticketmaster somewhat recently about like them gouging uh, ticket buyers and stuff? Yep. Yeah, and they, so like, did the Democrats pr- have been producing a bill to eliminate fees so that when people book uh, hotels and resorts? that the price that they think they're paying is the price they pay and they don't get like hit with 50 bucks at checkout, you know? Yep. And I just, it's like, I mean, it's, oh God, it's, 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 it's funny, but not really funny. You know what I mean? Like it's tragic kind of funny that like, that's, that's where they're drawing their battle lines is making sure that folks who, you know, book their, their cruises don't have to pay extra fees at checkout. Completely detached from the reality that the vast majority of us can't afford that shit to begin with. You know what, Steve? I like to go to concerts. I like to go to live shows. Like, that's like my thing. And I did notice something a while back that like, I could look up like a concert ticket Let's say, who did I see last? I forget. 
Okay, Boston Calling probably doesn't count because that's like an all-day event. So that's not a good example. But let's say when I went to see The weekend at TD Garden, right? So the ticket price would be like maybe 70 bucks. But by the time you pay all the fees, I'm like, whoa, why is it almost a hundred bucks now? Does that make sense? No, 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 no. I understand it's a, it's a way just like when you see your hospital bill from like a visit to the ER for something and they're like charging you per IV bag or charging you for like a test, right? Like, and they just, mm-hmm. you're, I did it cost so much. And then you look at it and it turns out they charged you for the fuck paper cup. They brought you water in. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Maybe, maybe that's a bad, bad example. I'm just saying that like, I, I understand the frustration. I don't go to many concerts these days, but um. I guess the point I was making is that of all the priorities to have, while that does matter to some folks, I think we were joking in the chat. Um, you know, I, I want a bill to, so that when you pay for it, you don't still get ads. <laughs> Good luck um, with that. <laughs> um, so I hear what you say, what you're saying. I think it, it'll matter, but when push comes to shove, like how many concerts do you go to in a year? Is it going to save you as much money as like, eliminating student debt or giving you like uh, universal health care mm-hmm. probably not so I, it was just kind of one of those like i to me i mean i mean it matters to people obviously as you as it matters to you but um and many other people but like it just seems so superficial in the grand scheme of things right like we're on the we're like maybe historians will say in the early stages of world war three <laughs> right um, the climate crisis is bearing down on us. Uh, I was just reading stratospheric uh, warming event will probably make warm across North America and Europe like prematurely um, this year, like an early heat wave, basically. Um, so I don't know. It was just kind of funny. He's so incoherent. And then that's the one thing I gleaned out of it because I'm like, you know, it felt. Well, I mean, we just got like really like freezing temperatures here um in massachusetts like a couple of days ago and it was like negative temps which is crazy for us yeah it's really erratic and i guess that my point was just a i found it rather amusing that that's where they used to focus and they got they drafted up a bill for it right um with all this yep. other stuff going on that seems to be a priority at any rate i really appreciate your coverage and everybody else Y'all thank you so much Thank you so much. Yeah. Yeah, peace out. All right. Looks like we got a newbie. Going to bring in Mark. What's going on, Mark? Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch. Where's the bunch? I just see Mark. Just got to hit unmute, Mark. Uh, Mark might have fallen asleep. Mark might have been like, I cannot hang with you peeps. You guys are up way too late for me, son. Let's see if I, um, I'll have to, you guys got to remind me, I invited Mark to speak. You guys got to remind me to contact the call-in team and tell them about the mute button, because I think that one is still a problem where you guys are telling me sometimes it's grayed out, like, right? All right. I invited Mark to speak. I don't know. Mike might've fallen asleep. 
Mark might have been like, I'm never going to dance again. Let's bring in Brent. I'm never going to dance again. Guilty feet, I've got no rhythm. What's up, Brent? Hi, can you hear me? I can hear you just fine. So, um, I want to address the sh uh, mass shooting issue. So, it's it's it garners a lot of uh, controversy, and I feel like... Um, there really is no good answer because banning guns, I feel, won't solve the problem. And I actually went, because I live in Southern California, so, so I actually went to the site of the mass shooting and spoke with the people there. And oh, wow. from what, I, yeah, so, and what I understood, like, the consensus was, is that, yes, the gun is to blame because that was the weapon that was used, but the focus should be on the individual, and we need to focus more on letting men express their feelings and listening to them more. And I know that sounds really corny and cheesy, but notice, look at all these mass shootings. How many of them were women? Oh. How many of them were women? Uh, I, I don't, maybe one. Uh, I, I can't think of, was it one woman? No. No women. I don't even know who was the one. I don't even know about the one. <sighs> now you got me thinking. I can't think of anyone. So it, it seems I don't want to generalize. It was kind of like women are allowed to express their feelings and their emotions, while men are like they're supposed to be tough and handle their problems. This is what oh. I've, I I I spoke with a chaplain at the site. This is what he's telling me. Like men are are expected to be a quote-unquote man and they're not allowed to express their feelings. Like, if if they have feelings of racism, we as a society immediately try to silence people who are racist instead of trying to talk to them. Like, there were a couple mass shootings that were involved racists and the chaplain felt like if we spoke to them, there's a chance that we might have been able to change their mind. And I know it's not likely, but it's kind of like as a society, we have to look at how we treat men and how we treat how they feel and try to listen to them more. And another thing he mentioned was there needs to be a universal basic income. He didn't use that term, but mm -hmm. he used a term like guaranteed money because this particular shooter was angry at his ex-wife for a divorce and... um the people at the site felt like if the shooter had some sort of money to cope with a divorce, he wouldn't have felt so um, angry inside, and he probably wouldn't have resorted to violence. He probably would have been less angry at his ex-wife, and he wouldn't have maybe he wouldn't have resorted resorted to um, shooting people. That's interesting. It's I mean it's just something to think about. Like, and but he did. We did also speak about the gun issue. Like, I mean, he did he did acknowledge that if the the shooter had a knife or used kung fu, maybe two or three people would have died anyway. But the 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 casualties would have been less. But at the end of the day, he, that guy still had hatred in his heart. So, the choice of killing. It's, it's just that he could have used a car or a, I don't know, a 
bulldozer, anything else, but ultimately it comes down to the person and we, we as a, as a society, we don't focus on the person enough. And I feel like that should be addressed, mm. but it's obviously it's never going to be addressed because as a society, we are selfish people. So that's a good point, Brent. You know, I mean, this is something that was said to me before from one of like my male friends, like, he did tell me one time that he said that, like, as a guy, like, they're not supposed to show, like, pain and sorrow. Like, he told me, like, it wasn't okay for him to cry. I remember this. Like, his dad died. I'll never forget this, man. His dad died when we were, like, in high school. This was, like, I, I want to say that was our senior year his dad died. And, like... It was weird because he acted like nothing happened. Like when he came back to school, like after his dad's funeral, he acted like nothing happened. And that was very weird for, I think most of us. And we were just like, Hey, I don't want, you know, we were trying not to say, are you okay? Cause that's a big one that people don't want to hear. Right. So we were right. just like, Hey, how's it going? You know, just wanted to check in, see if you need anything. And it was weird. It was like, he acted like nothing happened at all. And then like one day, this was like months later, like one day, he just like broke down. Like just like broke down and we were just like, what's happening? Like, what can we do? And he was just like, just go away. And he was like, and one day he finally explained it to us the like, he's not supposed to cry. Like as a man, he's not supposed to show any type of weakness per se. And so I think for him, this is just the way that he was raised as to like men are supposed to cry. And by the way, anyone listening, that's not true. Like it is very important that you let out any type of sorrow that you have inside. If you are at a point where you feel like you need to cry, you need to let it out because like holding it in actually makes it worse for you because you're holding in so much pain. And that actually can take a toll on your health. This is how some people can end up with like stress related like illnesses because they hold that they hold so much of that in and like eventually at some point your body is going to respond to that. Right. So like this is something they teach us like in yoga, like yoga will teach you this, that like you need to release it because at some point your body is going to respond to the stress that is inside. And but anyway, like. I think this was a wake up call for me because like growing up, like it was me and like my sister. So like, there was like my dad, but like my dad never didn't cry in front of us. Like ever, ever, maybe in front of my, I think in front of my mom when my grandma died, which was his mom, but I didn't even see that. But my dad like never cried in front of us. And so I always saw my dad as like this strong, like figure who like, never had any type of sorrow or sadness or anything like that. My dad raised me in a way that, you know, don't cry because it is a weakness in a, in a sense. Like your enemies will see that as weakness. You have to be strong because when you go out into the real world, these people are not going to coddle you. They're not going to help you. A lot of them are going to be vengeful, vindictive. They're going to spite you. 
like those kinds of things. My dad warned me about that. So like I grew up like kind of tough and like I grew up like I was a tomboy. So like I played like with the boys and stuff like that. Like I had like females or friends as well. But like when I was when I was first starting out growing up, like I played with the boys. My dad taught me how to take care of myself so that I would never have to depend on a guy. He taught me like how to change my oil, how to change a tire, you know, like how to get these things done. He taught me like how to build things. He taught me how to take things apart, like things like that. So like he taught me how to play basketball. He taught me how to play basketball when I was in elementary school. So like he taught me those things. And so what I realized, it wasn't until my senior year of high school, that was when it hit me because of my friend that he said, no, guys aren't supposed to cry. And that is when I thought back to, I was like, man, when my grandma passed away, my dad didn't cry. And I asked my mom about that. My mom said, well, he didn't cry in front of you. So I think we need to get rid of this notion like in our society that men are not supposed to cry. They're not supposed to have any type of feelings or or anything like that. We need to get rid of that. I think this is like really hurting a lot of like men in our society. What would you say, Brent? It is. And when we look at the ma- at like each mass shooter, they all had issues and they, they probably all were told like, the Mo- the Monterey Park shooting, for example, he was probably told, "You do your ex, you divorced. That's too bad. You made that. You got married. You made that choice. You need to live with the consequences." Nobody gave him. They didn't want to listen to him. Any anything like that? Let's. I don't know. Nicholas Cruz Parkland shooting. Same thing. People probably bullied him. Didn't want to listen to him. Probably thought he was crazy. Nobody wanted to talk to him. Just lash out, just show, uh, started shooting people to show that he's quote unquote a man. I mean, you can go down the list. Um, Aurora, same thing. Guy's a psycho, a crazy person. Nobody wants to listen to him. People think he's quote unquote crazy. Nobody t- wants to talk to him. He lashes out, show that he's quote unquote the Joker, a, a, a quote unquote superhero. And I feel like if we just open the dialogue and instead of trying to shut people off, it might not solve the problem. And I don't think it will, but if it prevents one mass shooting, then what does it cost? You, you're not taking away people's guns or anything like that. And I feel like that's never discussed in mainstream media or anything. And it seems like people in the establishment, they have this ego uh, macho attitude that men are supposed to be tough and mm-hmm. women are are submissive and are allowed to cry and uh, wait for their quote unquote Prince Charming. So I feel like women listen to more and that's why women, a potential women, woman mass shooter probably changed her mind because somebody listened to her and she probably realized, Oh, maybe, maybe my life isn't so bad after all. Maybe I don't need to show, shoot people to show that I'm a quote unquote strong woman. I could show, I could, show that I'm a strong woman in in other ways. And I feel like it's really lacking in our society. So I think, I think we have to be careful here because this is a very slippery slope. Um, There are cultural dynamics in the U S that 
you know, based around gender that suggests that men should be more emotionally repressed and women are generally able to be more emotionally free. But I think we have to be careful that when we're talking about people who will resort to mass killings, that we are dealing with something closer to a emotional instability and a mental illness. And so I don't think it's just as simple as the cultural dynamic, because think about it. These people who have committed these crimes are not the only people who are subjected to what the American culture is. I think a portion of it has to do with who is disempowered in this um, country and those who are really emotionally unstable and could benefit from universal health care and some mental and emotional care. And I don't think it's just about, you know, I feel voiceless in this society, because if that's the case, we would have likely seen many, many more mass shootings committed by black men. And I also think there is a racial aspect to this, because when we deal with mass shootings that have been predominantly committed by Caucasian Americans, the whole issue is, oh, you know, let's find a, a resource. It's not just that they're vicious, but when it comes to blacks, it's like lock them up, lock them up, lock them up. So, and it's like the crack thing versus um, the epidemic with white people on opioids. When it was black people, it was, oh, they're just criminal, lock them up, lock them up. But when it came to opioids in white America, it was like, oh, this is a mental, this is a health crisis. We have to have alternative ways of things. So I think for the issue at hand in terms of gun violence specifically, a type of gun control that removes the guns from the people who are mentally or emotionally challenged, that is a stopgap in the process that would have prevented some of this. But I also think there has to be a different type of um, policing done because you know they're tracking certain people. And when I think of people like Dylan Roof, Dylan Roof had said things on the internet and these people have, you know, some of them have written manifestos and all of this type of stuff. So it is a type of extremism but um, the reality is our culture is so steeped in violence is why I think we cannot deal in any appreciable way with the gun violence issue across the board because we're just too given to violence about everything. But I think the issue that causes these people to do the mass shootings, I think it has something to do with mental stuff and feelings of being dispowered. And I don't think it's just as general as culture. Right, right. I, it's also a ment mental illness as well. And I feel like maybe some men, they, they don't want to get the, the treatment that they need in order to solve whatever problems they have. And well, I'm just explaining I will, I will what... Say, I just want to yeah. say, to, I will say this. Going to therapy is still considered to be taboo, at least in this yeah. country, in our culture. It's still considered to be taboo. More people do it now, but it's still, like, some people still kind of like, oh, you went to go see a shrink, like, that kind of thing. And, like, I don't think it's just a male thing. I think just in general, it's considered to be taboo in our culture. And I think, like, you know, that's a big part of the problem is, like, why is that considered to be taboo? 
Like, why aren't we having these conversations with kids when they're like in high school about why it's important to have someone to talk to? You know, I, I think maybe if those things were introduced to the youth, maybe by the time they're adults, they wouldn't see it that way, you know? Right. And I feel like, I feel like uh, things like universal health care and um, universal basic income would solve th these issues because if, I feel like people don't want to go to therapy because it costs too much. That's it. So That's it. I feel like a lot of the, the government is also the problem here. They're not helping the people by providing universal basic income and universal health care. I feel like if those two things were provided, maybe this Asian guy, I'm Asian, so I know their mentality. They don't want to spend the money to get the help they need. If, if, if it was offered them for free they would probably take advantage of it because they're not paying, quote-unquote, not paying for it. And maybe he would have gotten the help that he needed and maybe he wouldn't have resorted to mass shootings. I don't think it's just the cost of it. That's part of it. Because I say that because having worked at the universities, even the free services that are offered, for the most part, the students didn't want to take it. They didn't want to do it because even though it's supposed to be confidential, they would always say, I don't want my friends to find out. I don't want my professors to find out, you know, and it, they there was this fear that it would get out that they were getting some kind of of help, so to speak. And I, I don't really know why they had that fear, like, but I feel like it's more prevalent today than it was when I was in college. And like, I'm sorry, but everything that has happened in the past, like four years. Yeah. Like there, 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 there is a, a big depression state that is happening in this country, especially with younger people. You know, I feel sorry for a lot of these kids. Like when we were, when I was still at BU and like the students, when we had to revert to remote learning, these kids were obviously depressed. Um, and I offered those services to them and it, very hesitant, even we were on campus, it's very hesitant to take those services, especially students, those who were internationals, because their biggest fear was, I don't want them to send me back home. And that's what they would think, if that if they went to get some type of, some type of counseling, they would be considered to be uh, unfit or they would be diagnosed with a mental illness and their fear is that they would be sent back home. Um, and that necessarily was not the case, but that's what they thought. And, you know, it, it's just the, the, there's also that fear is that it's just going to get out to other people. And then we have to ask ourselves this question, why is there that fear that other people may look down on you? because you're getting some kind of help. I would say this to anybody who's listening, like everybody needs to talk to someone, whether you want to call it therapy, counseling or whatever, you need to talk to someone who is not in your immediate friend circle, someone who's not your friend, someone who's not your, your significant other, someone who's not a family member, because those people who are in your circle, they have a tendency to be a little bit biased because they know you. Sometimes you need to talk to someone who does not know you, who's just going to give it to you straight and say, this is what's happening. This is the problem. This is how we're going to fix it. And sometimes the people who are the closest to you are reluctant to tell you exactly what the problem is because they don't want to lose the relationship that they have with you.
So that's why I say that everybody should talk to someone at some point or another. There's a lot of people in in this country, and not just this country, but there's a lot of people, especially nowadays, looking within like since the, the start of this pandemic, there's a lot of people that just have a lot of trauma. Did you guys know that domestic abuse increased during the pandemic? Did you know that alcoholism increased during the pandemic? Did you know that drug use increased during the pandemic? Go ahead, Noel. Because people were left to their own devices and suddenly had a, a, a ton more problems, including the fear of getting sick. People were unemployed. People were spending more time at home with spouses and children and things that had not been what was their normal. And it was this sense of not knowing what the future might hold, which brings a type of anxiety all of its own. So it makes sense to me that all those types of things would have been on the increase, including the birth rate. But um, because, you know, people use sex as a um, type of anesthesia. But, you know, I think we, you know, when you think about mental illness in the United States, they used to institutionalize people. There was a strong taboo to it where they would lock people up and put them in asylums and this and that. And the lines between people who were really um, psychologically infirm, so to speak, versus those who were just dealing with traumas, there was less of a line drawn between them. So there is stigma. And we all know that when it comes to employment, certain things and certain jobs will be, you know, taken away or put out of reach for you if you have histories that include, you know, certain types of mental health services. But the reality is, you know, and I've been in therapy for a long time, because what, for me, what therapy does best is give you an independent professional perspective to contextualize your feelings within. So it's helpful to have a professional say, you know, I've had XYZ clients, you're not that different. People feel the way you do this and that. You're not alone, A, B, and C. And some friend circles can provide you that type of support. But like Sabrina says, it's also important sometimes to be able to open that discourse with somebody who doesn't know you, don't know your background, and then you can kind of isolate and be more frank and honest and open about what exactly it is you're feeling without having to be concerned about how these people will see you. It's yeah. their job. And I think, I think another thing, um, this society, because of the way it operates, I don't think we really understand how traumatized everyday Americans are. I think a lot of us, live with a lot more trauma. And I think a lot of it comes from the world of work than anybody really imagined. Anything else, Brent? Um, otherwise, I'm going to move on to Andrew. Uh, one more thing. It's about, um, I saw Roger's video with Jamal Bowman. And um, I felt he's just look Jamal Bowman is just looking for an excuse not to address him. And I felt like, um, Ashura's approach I felt is what Jamal Bowman deserved. 
And I feel I agree with Ashura in, in that sense. But if you want to th- have a discussion with Bowman, even though he won't give you anything, you have to take Roger's approach. So I do understand where Ashura is coming from because all these politicians, they don't care about what Roger's discussing. He, he doesn't care. And I know, I, and I think Roger knows that he doesn't care about whatever Roger's saying. He's just there for the money and the status. And I feel like Ashura's approach is really uh, attacking. Uh, sorry, Ashura was attacking um, uh, uh, Jamal Bowman for the reasons that he's there, just for the money and the status. And, he, and Ashura going after him that way, I feel would would put Jamal Bowman on notice. But I feel like you won't get any answers from them. And you won't see. Yeah. 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 yeah, you won't get any answers from them. But you won't. But 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 sorry. But did but did Roger get any answers from Jamal? I don't. Well, no, he he well, did. No, he like did. Roger actually approached him a little bit more aggressively in the beginning, and that's why Jamal right. Bowman said, "Don't come at me with this energy." Like he really gave me Godfather vibes. Right. Did he give you those vibes, Roger? He gave me Godfather vibes. Like, honestly, I thought to myself, I was like, any minute now, he's going to say, you come into my house. Now, once you call me Godfather. Hold up. <laughs> Somebody just rear-ended me to, at a traffic light. I'll get oh, back no. to you. Oh. oh, oh, sorry, Roger. Damn. Uh-oh. See what happens <laughs> when you're on. I'm so sorry. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, Bones. Um, was it Jamal yeah. Bowman? <laughs> he, I know I'm thinking the same thing, right? Like he gave me, he Jamal gave Bowman me, probably. He gave me Godfather <laughs> vibes, and Sabby wasn't feeling it. I'm like, oh my god, now he's gonna try to throw his status around. Like I didn't like it. I'm like, dude, like stop. You're not even that great of a congressman. Like I said before, you're the weakest link of the squad. You're the weakest link. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, he's using civility politics. Like, oh, you need to speak to me this way. It was just a tap. If you need to speak to me this way, unbelievable. Uh oh. Did you feel like he was giving you Godfather vibes, Roger? When you say Godfather, are you talking about the Don Corleone? Yeah, remember when the Godfather was like, he said, let me try to do the voice, Roger. Hold on. Okay. He go. He was like, <laughs> "You come into my house. You come into my house multiple times. Now, once you call me Godfather." Oh, you I mean an accent? No, he, he was he was trying to flex on me because I, you know, I I got him somewhere where he didn't have a defense for it. So. Your automatic reaction is to react emotionally. Yo, you cracking me into a corner. Okay, so that means I know something that you don't, that you should know. So I caught you at a loss of something that you should have known. Okay. Nick Nick Gauze said, I need balls in my mouth. What? You need... Oh, you need Saiton Cotton. I think it's it Cotton. What? Okay. 
So, but if anybody has a problem with the way I approached them or didn't approach them or should have did this or should have did that, then I would ask, you show me how it's done. Simple as that. You know, I don't like armchair quarterbacking. Okay. I say, hey, man, yo, we need to do something. We need to, you know, uh, whether it's ballot initiatives or whether it's this or whatever it is. And I get a whole bunch of excuses. Oh, this, that, that, this, another thing. I do something. It's like, oh, you shouldn't have did it that way. You should have did it this way. You should have did it that way. Like, no, that that's not how this goes. This is not about me. If you don't like the way I did something, you do it. You show me how it's done. Oh, Roger, I hate to tell you this, but welcome to my world. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. I understand. Right, but the armchair, like, and the, armchair, the quote unquote armchair. Go ahead. But when you put yourself out there, like, it's kind of like you invite yourself to criticism, good and bad, and it's kind of like, ugh. Bro, Sometimes the criticism is... Look, 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 dude. I was not doing this for performative reasons. I wasn't doing this to be a public figure. He's, a, he's an elected official, okay? He deserves to know what's going on and how I feel. So again, if you don't like the way I did it, then you do something. You you approach your congressperson and you show me how it's done. Even though he's not my congressperson, but you show me how it's done. All this armchair quarterbacking gotta go. I, I I'm on here all the time. Yo, man, you should do this. We should do this. We should do that. And all I get is excuses. Then I do something and it's criticized, 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 criticized. You think that's right? Do you think that's fair? Honestly, do you think that's no? Fair? I don't. But it's okay. All right, when so you go on social you, media, you invite criticism, whether it's deserved or I not. not. I mean, I, social media. Well, I did not go, go on social media. I did yeah, not put myself he, on social actually, media. Okay. Yeah, he actually I mean, didn't. Okay. But so who posted all, the video then? It was Lucy. Okay. She, it oh, was Lucy. It was her. It was did her you phone. consent to her to being filmed or no, no? That does not matter. Yeah, like you're getting into all of this little technical stuff about, oh, you know, like your armchair quarterback and you're sitting back. What are you doing? Don't worry about what I'm doing. I'm doing everything that I can. I'm not the one that lives in a citizen ballot initiative state. You are. Okay? No matter how hard it might be in your state, it ain't as hard as mine because I ain't got that option. Right, but... And that's and everyone's that's, gonna that's, everyone's gonna have a say. Like when you go on these platforms, what, like whatever, I don't care. I really don't care because at the same time we're looking at me, a personality, and I keep saying, do not pay attention to 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 the personality. Take pay attention to what's being said, okay, and the policy, and what we need to do. I can't get, it's like people are so focused on these personalities. Mm -hmm. Oh, forget me. You know what I'm saying? What are you doing? Are you not getting out there because you feel that, yo, I don't want to be criticized? Is that it? You know what I'm saying? Like, this is ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Right, right. And 
Um, I, I think on that note, um, I'm going to move on to Andrew. All right. Thank you. Thanks, Brent. All right, Andrew, what is up? Speak with actions. Always good <laughs> advice. How are you? I'm good. I'm tired, but I know I'm not as tired as Roger because I'm not a lawyer and driving Uber at the same time, so I, I should probably not complain. How's it been? You're in Mexico, right? Yeah. Yeah. I've Andrew, like you, are you going to convince me to move to Mexico? I, every oh. time I hear you, I think about it. <laughs> you should come visit me first, and I'll show you around some places, but... I would say, like, you know, so I have met some, uh, like, black Americans and African people who have moved here from other, like, more white nations. And it's weird, like, white, Mexico's definitely still a white supremacist nation, but it is much more geared towards indigenous people in Mexico and also just, for that matter, a lot of Latin America. Um it's not like Brazil or the United States. So, I mean, for that reason, plus the climate, plus, you know, the, the food, there's a lot of reasons that I would say it could be a good move to, to move to Mexico. But, you know, like everything, there's trade-offs. Like in many areas, it's definitely not as safe as the United States. And I know there's plenty of places in the United States that aren't safe. But, um, yeah, there's like pros and cons. But definitely, seriously, come Come visit sometime. I'll I'll give you a bunch of recommendations on place to go. How's the um? Be honest, Andrew. Because my friend went to Mexico and she drank the water, mm-hmm. and I tried to warn her ahead of time. I was like, I was told, <laughs> don't drink the water. So Dave Matthews Band had a song called "Don't Drink the Water." Yeah. And apparently in some places, this is very true. Just don't do it. And yeah. she went down there and she was like, I'll be fine. I'm staying at a resort. Well, apparently she left that resort and went out into the town mm-hmm. and forgot about that rule. And she drank the water. And yeah. it's not like, like she had like a glass of water, but she had a mixed drink, which had water. And hmm. next thing she you didn't... know, she was just like, was it a she said her tummy was like hitting the road. Do you remember what drink? Was it like a mojito? I think so. Yeah, that's the thing. Okay, so the only time I've gotten sick down here is actually from eggs, which is weird. I know. But um, I don't have a very, like, temperamental stomach when it comes to, like, getting sick. I do have some, like, kind of food allergies, sort of. But not, um, not like, uh, you know, I don't get, like, food poisoning very easily. Um, but when people get it down here, it's like, uh, it's usually from eggs or lettuce or something, but I just put iodine in the water that I wash my lettuce with, never have a problem. And so I live in a city called Toluca. So to get to your question about the water, um, it's like Toluca is about an hour West of Mexico city, the whole Valley of Toluca. It's like this really big Valley way up high in the mountains. And there's a ton of industry and a bunch of towns and like Mexico state where Toluca is, is the most densely populated state in Mexico. And 
the water quality is super random dependent where you are. So there's this huge water system called Kutsamala, and it supplies most of the valley of Toluca and also part of the water from Mexico City. And definitely you should not drink that without boiling it, like the water that comes out of the pipes. Oh, you know, fil- filter or boil it. So I have like a water filter um, that just sits on my counter. And then, um, on you know, sometimes if we were making like pasta or rice or something, you can get away with just like boil the water first for a little bit and then make your pasta and you don't have to like filter it or anything. But what's crazy is like, and there's also, so there's also the, the river Lerma, which goes like uh, really close to Toluca and then through multiple states and then it exits into the Pacific Ocean, like up kind of north of Puerto Vallarta. And that river is just destroyed. It's like a lot of the literal same companies that uh, ruined the Flint River also helped ruin the Lerma River. And so it smells like doo-doo, like for miles around the Lerma River. It's like General Motors, Coca-Cola, Nestle, Procter and Gamble, Henkel, Johnson and Johnson, Pfizer, Bayer, like all the Jeep, all those companies are in this industrial district that surrounds that river. So pretty gnarly here. But then what's crazy is like I go like an hour drive to where my parents-in-law live and it's just like over a ridge. It's like a little bit lower than Toluca, but it's like a different watershed because you go over this like sort of couple of little mountain ridges and you can just drink the water straight out of the tap there. Like every time I go see my parents, I bring a bunch of big, like, you know, like the crystal spring barrels of water, the ones that are like in offices. Sabby don't believe it. Sabby (laughs) saw a movie called (laughs) sex in the city Uh and it happened to Charlotte and Charlotte had tummy troubles. I'm just gonna leave it at that. Yeah, no, I mean, I swear, I there's a not only is there like good water in the water system there, but there's also a couple of natural springs that I've drank out of um, that are just like right in the little town there. Um, so yeah, like whenever I go to see them, I'll just bring like four. Um, I don't know how many gallons they are. I guess like ten gallons. Um, so I bring back like 40 gallons of water. I just fill it up with like a hose coming out of the, the water system next to like where we keep some of the chickens and just drink it straight up here. And it's like, tastes better than the water that I filter that comes out of the, the Kutsamala system. So it's like really depends where you Ooh. are. And there's also like a huge, um, like checkerboard of like this town has good water and it's cheap and the next town over has worse water and it's literally 10 times as expensive um depending on like how how privatized the system is so i think my water bill ends up being like 3500 pesos a year and if you go one city over to this city called sinacantepec it's like 400 pesos a year and the water's a little bit cleaner so it's like almost 10 times cheaper than my water Um, okay so so it's just a wild west (laughs) 
<laughs> what did you did you get a chance to see the State of the Union address? Oh man, I watched. No, I was pretty busy um, the last few days. I watched a little bit of it, but it's like uh, we could talk about it. Like I watched a, a, just like tiny little bits of it, so I have things to say, and then I have like general thoughts about Biden, the State of the Union address in general. But what do you what do you what are your thoughts? What do you want to talk about? Well, you didn't miss much, Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I figure. <laughs> I didn't need to see like Adderall plus Xanax plus dementia plus geopolitics. <laughs> I was right. I had other shit to do. Yeah. But I don't know. It's like I, I think um you know, one day of talking about the State of the Union address could be worthwhile, right? Because it's like you might reach somebody who um, doesn't think too much about politics, and then all of a sudden they see Biden saying some, you know, wackadoo nonsense, and, you know, you can break it down in a logical way. You might reach that person. But most of, mostly I'm like, that's a waste of time. You should be focusing, like, on some kind of local projects, like... Uh, like you and Roger were talking about earlier. Yeah. I mean, I feel the same way. I just don't feel like national politics is really going to get us anywhere in reference to um, progressive policies. That's my take on that. Like, I don't know. I'm even seeing like progressive, like commentators, like defend Joe Biden and simp for Joe Biden. I'm like, man, you guys are just... Mm. You guys are following the fucking money. You guys are such fucking sellouts. How dare you like sell out working class people? It really pisses me off. I don't like it. Savvy don't like it, Andrew. Andrew don't like it either, Savvy. No, I um yeah, I feel like um you know, watching some of the you know, self-styled progressive online people was a a stepping stone for me in understanding U.S. politics that maybe was necessary, but it's it sure is embarrassing to be like, yeah, I used to watch like Crystal and Sager on the Hill and uh, David Dole like four years ago, and I mean, but I was also watching like other decent stuff. Like I would watch um, reports from like the Black Agenda Report and from Michael Brooks and. And Milton Alamadi from Black Star News. So I wasn't like 100% drinking bullshit. But it's like, you know what? At the end of the day, I kind of feel like people who are watching the shows that I personally can't stand right now, a good chunk of them are probably going to figure it out. Like a lot of them are young. Um, or people are always just on a different timeline trajectory. So they'll figure it out. And I think overall, like... Yes, in a way, these people are selling out the working class, but, like, nobody from the working class watches their shows for the most part. I mean, some people do. You know, everybody, for the most part, is le- is fleeing corporate media, and sometimes yeah. they end up in, like, a, a shell corporation subsidiary that is still corporate media, or sometimes they end up at uh, Mike Figueredo, and then eventually they figure that out, too, I think. Yeah. I agree. Like, this is why I, you know, Black Agenda Report is so 
underrated. I, I feel like they I should agree. get way more praise than what they get because they don't just do YouTube. They do, you know, journalism on the ground. Like Margaret Kimberly, JB and I, like, I don't know if I told you guys this, but like JB and I kind of look at Margaret Kimberly and we're like, that's Auntie Margaret. Because yeah. she is just like, she's amazing. Like, for one, like, she has, you know, articles, like, she does, like, journalism articles, but she also has a radio show, like, but also, Margaret Kimberly has given us, like, a multitude of advice. Mm -hmm. She really It's always has. good advice. Oh, yeah, like, she's told us, like, I think you guys are doing great at this, and I think you, you know, da -da -da. like, she keeps it real, you know, yeah. and it's not just Margaret Kimberly, like, Glenn Ford was a part of. Yeah, um, I wish Matt I knew Virginia about him more when he was alive. I kind of mm -hmm. was later to the, the party. Like I guess I did. I guess I must have seen some of his articles, like just at the end, very end of his life. But I didn't really have the proper respect for him. I think. Chris Hedges was friends with him. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Glenn Ford was like awesome. Like, um. But like him and like also like Margaret Kimberly, Danny Haifong, like, by the way, Danny Haifong has been killing it lately. If you guys don't follow him, you should definitely follow him. I know I brought him on a couple of times. He's also been on, um, we brought him on RBN a couple of times. But Danny Haifong, if you're looking for someone to to watch in reference to foreign policy outside of the gray zone, check out Danny Haifong. Danny yeah, especially Haifong. in like China, China, yeah, East East Asia, Southeast Asia, political history also very good for to watch Danny or also Luna Oi also very mm -hmm. good. Yeah, just in case yeah. people are broadening their horizons, I agree with you. Danny's a pretty good pick. Yeah. Also, also that's like my that's my you know, that's like my Boston Cambridge bro there. Oh, I didn't know that. I thought he was in New York. Did he, he is, he's from Boston? He's from, yep. My grandpa's from Boston. Oh, yeah, really? Yeah, so I always would root. My grandpa's a big baseball fan, so as a kid, I had Mariners and Red Sox hats. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, so, like, yeah, I mean, like, the first time I had Danny on, I think this was, like, maybe... A year, a year and a half ago, the first time he came on, like it was about liberals. He came on; it actually wasn't about foreign policy. Mm -hmm. Second time he came on, it was about foreign policy. But the first time he came on, it was about liberals in like this area in Boston and how they have failed working class people of color. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think. I think that's a super important that that's the thing like I I I, I kind of go back and forth between how valuable I think it is to talk about typical politics in the US like existing parties that are strong and and um and the political names that people call themselves um I kind of go back and forth cuz there's so there's like I always have to repeat the mantra, like the biggest voting block in the country is non-voters. The second biggest voting block in the country is independents. And so the non-voters especially are 
in, in a very logical way, most of the time saying it doesn't matter who I vote for one way or the other, my life is the same or it gets worse. Um, and so I don't think like they necessarily need to be convinced. Um, but there's some people who do just like also don't really pay attention. They're just like, yeah, politics, like I don't really get it. It's, it's super boring or frustrating when I do pay attention to it. So I just don't pay attention to it. And sometimes I think to, to give somebody like that, like my aunt Liz was a good, um, example. Like every once in a while she'd be like, why the fuck is this happening? Like I, she doesn't like politics, but every once in a while she would just have to ask me like, Andrew, why, why is this happening? What the hell? It doesn't make any sense at all. And I would try to break it down with, you know, without like being too wordy. And sometimes it's just, it's really valuable, um, to kind of describe very accurately, like what, what, you know, these people who call themselves liberals, the people who call themselves conservatives, what do they actually think if you take their thoughts and put and political policies to the conclusion, like what would actually happen or what does happen over and over again, it could be very informative, but I will say though, like one thing that you said a, a little bit ago, so yeah, one thing you said a bit ago is like, you don't think that there's like anything to be accomplished from national politics. I was probably totally in agreement with you two years ago, but actually like living in Mexico has kind of changed my mind about that. Um, because Mexico just has like such a similar, um, federal system where the, the relationship between the Congress, the, the Congress is bicameral, the relationship between the Congress, the executive presidency and the Supreme court and the other, um, judicial levels is really, really similar. You know, you can't ever call it identical. Um, and then clearly there's like social differences, like societal differences that are beyond politics. So I, there's, there's no two countries that are a carbon copy at all, but Mexico is very similar. It had very similar levels of corruption, privatization, you know, out of control capitalism and, um, like election rigging and Morena wasn't a party in 2012. And then they won the presidency and the majority of the Congress in 2018. And they've also now won almost all the governorships and they're like cleaning out, you know, mafia collaborators from the state police where they have the governorships. They abolished the federal police they're going to legalize marijuana. They've retrofitted their oil refineries, built another one, and also imp- increased their hydropower output. Um, they're building, you know, high-speed rail. There's just all kinds of things that are going on, and it's a it's a pretty significant turnaround. So to me, I'm like, I definitely agree that I think the United, I think we're just like behind the curve in the United States for Mexico in many ways. So like, you know, for right now, I, I think that it's best if we just don't participate in the national elections for the next, if we're talking like Senate and Congress, I would say the next four cycles. So the next eight years, I think we should check out from like feeling like we need to be on time and have a strategy, et cetera. But we should be building all kinds of local movements for resource sovereignty for political education, you know, and resource sovereignty. I kind of include that in mutual aid 
And then in, in a few years time, I think we should actually, uh, switch the, the ratio a little bit back to, okay, well now we have stronger, you know, community centers. Let's, let's stitch them together and start to, you know, reach beyond the state level and, and do a national strategy, but we're just not, I don't feel like we're currently right there, but I think we should, we should be building with that, like on the horizon. I hear you, Andrew. I hear you. I totally hear you. Thank you so much for calling in. I'm going to bring in Maria. Can I I say one more thing? Oh, go ahead. Uh, Just real quick. I did. I sent, um, I sent you an email and Roger, I, I, uh, I sent you Bide's phone number if you still wanted to reach out to him. Oh about yeah, the yeah, yeah. Anti-corruption I, been... project. Right, right. Uh, yeah, just just like remind me again, but remind me tomorrow. Don't don't remind me when I'm like driving. Yeah, you know? yeah. I typically yeah, answer sure. emails all in one day, so I'll probably do that on Thursday. But I, I think I saw yours come in, so I'll definitely uh, respond. Um, I'm getting cool. better with the emails, you guys. I'm getting better. <laughs> also, no Sabrina. Sabrina. Yep. Um, I hate to tell you this, but I think your dad taught you all of those things because he really wanted a son and he got you. <laughs> Damn, Roger. No, my mom. <laughs> no. You got any brothers, Sabrina? My mom, my mom said that before one time too. And she was like, like, my dad like raised me not to be a wuss. Like, I remember the first like time I got hit. Like, this was when I was elementary school. And there was this. And he said, go out there and, and, and hit him back. Yes. There was this exactly. Boy, he wanted like, a son. Bus. Yes. This was when I lived in Germany. There was this boy on the bus. And he used to get on the bus and just punch people. It didn't matter if you were a girl or boy or not. He just punched people. He was just angry and, and fuck. And I was just like, I remember one day I told my dad, I was like, this boy, he's like punch. He punched people on the bus and he punched me. And my dad was like, and I was crying. I remember I was crying. And my dad was just like, look, look at me. Look at me. Dry those tears. And my mom was like, oh, my mom was just like. She's, you can't talk to her like that. She's a girl. And my dad was just like, no, look, no, 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 no. I got to teach her how to, like, defend herself. He said, look at me, dry those tears. He was like, next time he come at you, let me, t- let me show you what to do. He was like, you got a knee, right? And I was like, yeah. He was like, use your knee. And he showed me how to, like, <laughs> he showed me how to knee a boy in in the special spot. So... <laughs> The next time, like, and my dad told me how to do that. And I was like, okay. He was like, you're going to do it, right? He was like, you're not going to come back home crying again. You're going to come back home with no bruises, right? And I was like, no. (laughs) The next time he got on the bus and he came up to me and he tried to just, like, punch me. This kid was like, like, he just punched people for no fucking reason. Just a little turn. He got on the bus and he tried to punch me and he came at me and he hit me. And I went, I, I remember I got out of the seat and I tapped him on the shoulder. He turned around. He said, what? And I took my knee and I went, how? <laughs> he was just like, and he fell to the floor and he started crying. And everybody on the bus was laughing. They were laughing at him because he hit everybody. That kid never touched me again. <laughs> 
You're a hero. <laughs> Never I, I was going to say, Roger, Go Dad. you were my, a little harsh when you said that, but I, I think I 100% agree with you now. <laughs> my, dad was, Go Dad. my dad was like, nobody's going to hit up here, sit up here and hit my daughter and get away with it. He was like, I'm going to teach you how to stand up for yourself. He was like, next time he come at you, this is what you do. You take your knee and you go kapow. And I didn't even know what that was going to do. I was a kid at the time. <laughs> and so I did it. And like, he never messed with me. That kid never messed with me again. He still punched other people, though. He still punched <laughs> other people on the bus, but he never messed with me again. <laughs> what was that, third grade? Nah, that was like second grade. Oh, I was close. Yeah, you were close. But you knew, Roger. You knew. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Yeah. I know your dad without knowing your dad. I'm going to get out the way just so y'all can let in Maria. But, um, yeah, I'll come back on soon. And, Sabby, it's like getting to be, like, in my humble opinion, too hot on the coast right now until probably September. Um, but there's a lot of really cool places you can go up in the in the central parts of Mexico and in, in the mountains. So for real, if you want to um, just hit me up, I'll send you another email tomorrow when it's not one thirty in the morning or two thirty because you guys are on the East Coast. Uh, and Roger, you too. But yeah, always a pleasure. Um, and Noel, I'm, you were very quiet, but I got to say also I should tell you how much I appreciate what you have to say all the time. I feel like. Um, I wish I could like f have the who wants to be a millionaire phone a friend and occasionally just be like, uh, Noel, can you give some advice to a stranger? <laughs> oh, thanks so much. <laughs> Thank you. You're in, and you're very welcome. Please send another DM. Thank you so much. Um, I'm going to bring in Maria and then I'm going to end with Bryce. Um, so we'll be closing up soon. Go ahead, Maria. Just got to unmute. Go ahead. Thank you and good evening to everybody. I mean, if you want to bring Andrew back up, I, I love mutually conversing with him and the panel. I don't know how. Yeah, you should probably um, DM Andrew. You can do that on uh, call in. But um, what's your take on everything? The State of the Union address. Oh, uh, I had zero interest in it um, because it was pretty predictable, but I did actually watch about 35-40 minutes of Katie Halper's live commentary on it, and, you know, I, that's, that's all, that's the only amount of time I could hang with it, really. And it took a lot because it's, it's just performance art. There's no actual substance to it. There's, you know, all he did was lie about this, that, or the other when, you know, anybody that knows better knows better. Um, so, yeah, I hung in there for about 35, 40 minutes. Do you, do you follow um, me or Revolutionary Blackout Network on YouTube? 
Absolutely. I I love you, CJ, JB, and Nick. Uh, you all are just amazing. I admire you all so much. Uh, but my my total favorites are useful idiots, Matt Taibbi and and Brianna, but you're you're very close second in my following and and the total of RBN. I you're you're oh. always on my radar. Oh well thank you. Um yeah, um Matt Taibbi's pretty base. Um I'm not sure when he'll be coming back to Useful Idiots. I, I know he's writing a book and now he has the Twitter files and everything too, but... Right, yeah, I'm aware. <laughs> Sorry. But, yeah, in terms of State of the Union, it's exactly what you would have expected. Some people standing up and applauding periodically and other people rolling their eyes and looking bored like... <laughs> it, even the people standing up and periodically applauding, you know, you know everything. They're applauding is total, totally full of shit, and they know it too. I, it's just ridiculous, and I, I just wonder. I, I really wonder how much longer it's gonna take. For you know, because the general public doesn't tune into these things, why? Why would they? So I wonder. I wonder when it'll happen that there'll be enough social capital and spaces for social capital building that there's a strong enough resistance to it, especially in terms of third party development only us political junkies I think that um, again I think it's going to have to come from places not just from like me RBN Hardlands Media Indie News Network like it's going to have to come from other places that have bigger platforms you know Jimmy Dore has been advocating for this for a long time and I know some people have their their feelings they get all up in their feelings about jimmy Dore or whatever but jimmy Dore tried to warn people about this after force the vote well i i really appreciate J jimmy Dore's voice uh he's got a valuable voice in the arena and i i think i think Anytime you all unite together and work together, we're moving closer and closer to what independent media can actually do. Uh, yeah, unfortunately, there's no uniting. Um, I'm sorry, but it is what it is. Um, I think that there have been shots fired that have been kind of personal. You know? Yeah, that that exists, and I I, I get that. Well, yeah. 
I don't I don't think that's going to happen. And I know some people want that to happen. They want everyone to unite again like they were united under Bernie. I don't think that's going to happen again. There no. have been too, too many things that have been said and things that have been done. And a lot of people's feelings are just really hurt. There have been personal attacks. And I think that's a big part of the problem. Yeah, I I hear what you're saying. Um, and I, I'm certainly not in your position of being the presenter and... Maria. Yes, sir. No, no, I'm not sorry. I'm just me. Um, you, so you were saying that why not uh, Jimmy Doe get together with, with who or something like that? I, I wasn't paying attention or whatever. Oh, well, I wasn't necessarily applying. He creates an alliance with anybody in particular. I'm just saying that I greatly admire and respect the independent media of Matt Taibbi, Useful Idiots, Jimmy Dore, Savvy, and RBN, and The Gray Zone. And, well, and also Russell Brand. He's he's putting valuable contributions out there. Uh, so I'm just saying, generally speaking, an alliance of independent, you know, journalists and media would would be so refreshing. And I know, I know, I'm not saying everybody shouldn't maintain their own independent identities. I'm not saying that at all. But, mm-hmm. you know, perhaps there could be a singular, I, I, I don't even know what I'm saying. I, I just wish there could be an alliance to counteract you know, the corporate media networks. Well, you know what? I think the, the corporate media is, is dying of its own volition. I mean, sometimes when something's going to blow up, sometimes it's just best to just step back and let them blow up. Don't get Self-destruct. Yeah, let them self-destruct because um, their viewership is going down. Um you know, people are cutting the cord, so they're getting less money from the cable subscriptions. You know, sometimes you don't got to, you know, really just, just do anything. You just, you know, I guess do your own thing or whatever, and then that'll eventually, you know, die of, on its own uh, accord or whatever the case is. You know, just like, I don't know, VCRs went out of style. It got replaced with DVRs, and then DVRs got replaced with just the simple fact you could download an app. Some Sometimes things just die a quiet death. I I still have a VCR and a DVR. Oh, sorry about that. And a vinyl player. And oh, okay, a my bad. Set. No, no, I'm just, I'm, I'm just really old and dating myself. I got a whole bunch of VCR tapes that I got to convert to something. But I hear you. No, I... Yeah, we all have our pipe dreams about things, especially, you know, watching or as much as I could tolerate something like the State of the Union. 
mean, yeah. it's just my goodness. What? You know, to be honest with you, if it wasn't for um, Kit having about 20,000 meltdowns, um, I think I would have just been bored. <laughs> I just, I just love the way he, he his, his reaction, Sabrina. Well, it, it, it would have been so much better just to watch it on mute and look at people's facial expression. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I hear you. Sabby, I'm sorry. I, I didn't mean to interrupt if you were going to say something. Oh, no, I was just going to bring in Bryce. Bryce, if you want to come in and then we're going to close out, go ahead and unmute. What up, Sabby? Uh, uh, Roger, what's up? Uh, I, I came in like uh, halfway through. Uh, I was watching it on RBN channel, though, uh, with the with the guys. So, you know, I want to support my fellas and shit like that. You know, I love them. You know, uh, but if anything, like I just I, I was aware like of like what he was gonna say and shit like that. You know, it's nothing new. He's gonna like sit here and have like talking points. You know, just just like any other politician and shit like that. So, um, you know, it was it was to be expected. You know, and I I don't understand like why some people are like upset unless you voted for Joe Biden, and I can get that. But I mean, this is this is who he is. You know, like he's he's this individual that is going to. Uh, he's, 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 he's going to do what he says. So like, uh, you know, and I, if anything, like I expect things to get worse, you know, under this guy, you know, before things get better. So, I mean, those, those are my thoughts about that. Uh, as far as like, uh, you know, like the guns, you know, I, I was in the chat, you know, and talking about that, I do, uh, go back on the reservation and like shoot my uncle. So, uh, I understand like, uh, what, like, uh, what she's talking about, uh, Robin, uh, uh, actually. And I agree with like what, what, what she's saying and stuff. So, so, and there's other reasons why, like I would argue against like, uh, you know, disarming, you know, the American public because of, uh, you know, military and, and because of the police, you know, uh, I think, you know, it's going to come down to like, you know, people actually fighting against them, you know, unfortunately, you know, later on when, you know, you know, shit hits the fan and shit like that, you know. So, I mean, we're, we're, if anything, like, we're dealing with, like, you know, people that are, you know, they're monsters. So, you know, I, I see them as that, you know. Uh, they won't even, like, send their kids, to, you know, to the to wars and stuff like that. So, you know, those are my thoughts about that. So, uh, what else? Um I mean, if anything, like those are my thoughts. I'm gonna keep it short and sweet. So, awesome! Thank you so much for that, Bryce. Really appreciate it. All right, guys, I'm gonna head out. It's pretty late, um, and I do have an appointment in the morning. Um, but thank you so much for tuning in. Um, I'll be back. Uh, when I'm be back? Okay, I'm off tomorrow because it's Wednesday. But I'll be back on Thursday on YouTube. Um, I may.